Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good evening. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. And welcome, welcome, welcome to another live edition of The Sea Report. Coming to you on this uh, February 24th. The day is a Thursday, 2022. And I am your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C. And I'm glad to be here with you guys live tonight, coming to you a little bit earlier than we typically do on a uh, on any given day of the week, actually, unless there's something special going on. And let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, there is something special going on. So we are coming to you guys live tonight. I'm coming to you guys a little bit more casual than usual, all right? No tie, no suit tonight. Uh, just the good old vest and uh, ready to roll. Not that it really matters because after all, I mean, my podcast audience can't even see me. They don't know what the heck I look like. Just a golden potato head here talking about news and giving out views uh, per my own uh, discretion and uh, curating news in the way that I think I see fit. But uh, the reason why we're coming live to you guys a little bit early tonight is because we've got some stuff to cover. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in the world today, ladies and gentlemen. We were off the air the last two days. So uh, for any of my audience that is typically with us, uh, and uh, yeah, if you're with us live, you're like, what the heck is this guy doing here? Uh, But uh, for any of my audience that is typically live with us Monday through Friday... I do apologize for the absence. We had uh, some family scenarios going on here at the old C household. So there are things that need to be taken care of. And as I like to say, you know, the only reason why we miss work around here is for the four F's. Funeral, fever, fracture, family matters, ladies and gentlemen. And so, uh, well, that is the only time that we will uh, we will call in, as it were, and not show up. But hey, let me tell you what. If you guys uh, were to head over to thecreport.com, okay, and we'll we'll go ahead and get this out of the way right stat. The C Report. Oh, that's not even the C Report.com. It's this one right here, ladies and gentlemen. If you head over to the C Report.com, we currently still have a filler page. It's this is a holder page, but what you can do right now is you can sign up to join our email list. And when you sign up to join our email list, ladies and gentlemen, you will be in the know about whether or not we're having an episode. That is going to be canceled for a night or two. Uh, and uh, we actually just set this email list up for the audience. And for those of you who might be interested in keeping up to date with, uh, the uh, you know, sh- uh, news about the show, uh, scheduling uh, issues, promotions, etc. So I would say go and join the email list today. So this way you also can help us beat big tech and censorship in case they should ever try to put the kibosh on this operation that is steadily growing every every single day, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, for those of you who have signed up for the email list, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be getting with you guys shortly. First 20 or 25, uh, you know, subscribers or, or email list people um, who go and actually sign up for the email list. Not I have to put you on the list for you. 
Um, I will uh, I will send you some stickers, C Report stickers, guys. Uh, let's see if you want to see what the stickers look like, because I still I'm so terrible at this. But uh, uh, this the, this is what the C Report stickers look like. They're promotional stickers we had done at Printus Maximus. For those of you who don't know who Printus Maximus is, well, perhaps you should know who they are. Uh, but uh, it seems that Printus Maximus is the brainchild of BrainPod. Uh, or the, yeah, the, the brainchild? No, no, the brainchild BrainPod, Drimmed up Printus Maximus. And uh, so he prints our, uh, he printed us some stickers, ladies and gentlemen, with a uh, big thanks to 123SKG over there in foxhole.appland, pill.land. And uh, so, yeah, so little promotional stickers. They're matte. They're durable. They're fancy. They look nice. You know, you could stick them on uh, your binder if you're a student. You can stick them on your laptop if you're uh, into that kind of thing. You can, st I mean, I don't know. I don't, I guess you could probably stick them on your car too if you'd like, but I mean, it's up to you guys. Whatever you want to do, wherever you want to put it, you want to put it on your Frigidaire? I got no problem with that, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, if you sign up at thecreport.com today, uh, you will get uh, the option to receive a sticker or two for your household just to show my appreciation for you, uh, wanting to keep up with what we do here at the Sea Report. And that's what I was saying. Like, we were off the air for the last two days. Had you all been signed up to my email list, you would have gotten a fancy little email that said, We have no show tonight. But again, I do thank you all for your grace. And uh, I hope you will accept my humble apologies for not being on the air last night. Or the night before, uh, like I said, family matters. There's the there's the four F's of calling into work: funeral, fracture, fever, family matters. And uh, so when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, well, we just can't be live on the air. Anyways, this is a shot of my website. This is one of the pages I've been working on. Uh, I'll I'll have you know, ladies and gentlemen, that even though I was off the air. For the last two nights, I was getting a lot of work done. Like, this website is just about ready to launch, okay? It's just about ready to launch. So uh, we'll have that up and at uh, probably within the, probably before the end of the week, and tomorrow is Friday. So <laughs> it's going to be coming at you pretty quickly. I just got to gotta add in a resources page because, as I said, every show that we do, I will begin to uh, give you guys links to the articles, links to the videos, anything so that you can get the same resources that I use to share my news because I don't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. I have plenty of resources that I go to to bring you these stories. I love to read and, you know, I don't mind reading to you guys some different articles from around the webs as I curate the news. Uh, and, and that's just the way it goes. Like, I, I curate it. I think if it's worthy of speaking about, well, we're going to talk about it, guys. And uh, I will share that information with you guys just so you know I'm not making this stuff up, okay? So I think that's going to probably be the last uh, biggest uh, hurdle to get over on uh, uh, launching the website is going to be the resources page, guys. Because I got about 10 to 15 shows worth of resources. And if you know how many articles I go through, well, then you know it's a lot of work to put into it. But you know what? It's going to be worth it. That way you guys can get those resources as well. And like I said, I'm talking articles. I'm talking videos. Uh, anything that I can give uh, to help you all with that information. So this way, if you get those 
naysayers out there that say, Psh, that's a lie. What you talking about? I can be just refer them to the article, uh, refer them to the video. It'll be there for you guys. And then of course, all of the links and everything else that we do here, guys, over at the C Report. Much appreciated. So go over to thecreport.com and join our email list. It's right there, the email list. And if you would like, I will send you a sticker or two. All you have to do is, well, actually, you know, I, I will be sending, e I will be communicating with those who have signed up. And uh, that way uh, I can see, because some people don't want to have a sticker and that's totally fine with me. Uh, some people don't want to, uh, uh, to, to parlay their physical mailing address. That's totally fine with me. I respect that. 100%. Uh, but if you would like to receive a sticker, I will get in touch with anyone who is signed up over at thecreport.com. And uh, like I said, it'll be uh, updates on the show, scheduling, promotions. Uh, we'll probably be doing uh, scheduling releases for live interviews because I think that will probably be one of the safer ways to do it rather than just, you know, announcing it here on the show because, uh, well, in this world and age nowadays, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, it, it doesn't even pay to be a good guy because even good guys compete with each other and good guys don't want to see other good guys be better than they are. I don't know what's up with that. You know, I, I would think it's just about releasing information and sharing it with uh, everyone else so we can all be informed. But apparently some good guys are like, well, your show's better than mine and I don't want you to do good. So uh, we're just going to like kind of like uh, trying to uh, you know, take you out at the uh, the at the root there and uh, hurt you. And I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I thought we were fighting on the same team, sir. Anyways, okay, enough about that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we have precious few moments. I really wanted to get with you all today about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia because we just, the last episode we did on Monday, we just did this whole, like, uh, deposition. <laughs> we did this whole, like, I don't know, like, dive into Russia and Ukraine, and then it's like, I'm off the air for a couple of days, and what happened? You know, all of a sudden, Russia has invaded Ukraine. Now, I've been following this offline, guys. Trust me, I've been following this offline. You know, like I said, I wanted to make sure that I was getting stuff done. I was working on the website. I was getting some podcasts up. In fact, we have uh, another Mr. C in the Dark episode now live at the podcast. So, I wasn't too hung up on not getting the Mr. C in the Dark's up in such a timely manner because the topics we talk about over at Mr. C in the Dark, they're not so timely as they are timeless, right? And we did like a series of episodes talking about Les Wexner and the mob and the United States government and honey trap, human trafficking, uh, blackmail like operations that they were doing. We did like a series of three or four episodes on that. So we posted one up today on the podcast. We'll get some more of them up. That's I just been I even though I have not been on the air, I've been busy, busy, busy trying to get all of this stuff caught up, you know, been trying to book some more uh, interviews and stuff like that. So I've been busy, busy, busy guys, but I've also been following what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. So here's what we have on the agenda for tonight. And then I will breathe for just a second. Okay. <laughs> what we have on the agenda for tonight is right now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Russia Ukraine thing. Okay. Uh, and then what else are we going to do? Uh, we are also going to, uh, we're going to, uh, we're actually going to, we're actually going to do a, we're, we're going to participate in a live stream stream 
here on the air. Now, I mean, I don't think we'll actually be participating, but uh, there is going to be from the America First Institute. I really wanted to share this, uh, and I want to start doing this type of a thing on the show for all of you all out there in my audience uh, to get like another perspective. You know, you know, I'm all about the more you know, right? Not just the choice to know, but the more that you know, you know, uh, the better that we are equipped to uh, continue on in this information uh, skirmish that we're dealing with right now. And so what I'm just what I'm trying to convey here, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, we're going to have a live stream event at 7 p.m. in about 48 minutes uh, where we're going to have the America First Institute, Policy Institute, AFPI, America First Policy Institute. Now, America First Policy Institute popped up shortly after President Trump was in office and he was going through his whole debacle. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of the America First Policy Institute, but uh, they are a a think tank, do tank uh, that is all about America First. It's all about conservatism. It's all about, uh, you know, the Constitution. And and so they uh, they do a lot of work in that field. Now, I've been uh, I've been tagging along with AFPI since they started, like since they started, I've been on their mail list. I've been a member of their website, all that good stuff. So I want to start to try and incorporate some of the things that they do here on the show. And uh, tonight they have a special live stream event. And the live stream event tonight is actually going to be an interview with Winsome Sears, the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. So tonight we're going to be doing that. I know we got, I know we got Ukraine going on. I know we have CPAC going on. Um, I, I was actually surprised that a lot of people weren't sharing so much about CPAC. Like I thought, I thought CPAC would be like, you know, pasted all over the walls in in my house here, but it's not. So eh, it's okay. It's okay. We'll try and catch. We'll try and catch President Trump's speech at CPAC, though, for sure. Okay, we'll try and catch that for sure. But um, you know, CPAC's happening. All right. You know, uh, let's. Let, here's kind of what I think about CPAC. It's great because you know it's conservative. It's Republican, whatever. But the point of the matter is, we got to get rid of like. I don't know, 90% of the Republicans that are currently in office. Now, that's something else that I was working on with my website, thecreport.com. It's about to launch, you know, and that is the election integrity angle. You know that we travel along the veins of election integrity here at the Sea Report. We can't do squat if we don't have election integrity here at the Sea Report. So it's very important to us to have stories and a sense about election integrity live and in person and with uh, with detail, you know, because that is, to me, one of the number one issues that we are facing today, okay? So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, we posted on our blog over at thecreport.com um, Wendy Rogers' um, uh, petition, or it's more than a petition, it's a declaration. You know, it is a declaration with the intent to decertify and to audit, or to audit and decertify where necessary. And we know that this movement is advancing pretty quickly here in the States now that the ball has gotten rolling, okay? So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we posted about that, and that's going to be our litmus test. Our litmus test is going to be this declaration, 
that Wendy Rogers has penned for us. And there are currently like 204 signatories that are state representatives, you know. And so even though... even though platforms like Twitter are becoming a little bit defunct, you know what I mean? Because uh, you got Truth Social, you know? Uh, You know what? I can't stand, I can't stand that I'm on a waiting list for Truth Social and I keep getting notifications about people who are following me. And I don't even have my account ready. (laughs) I'm still on a waiting list. And, And I haven't even started to make my account and I keep getting notifications about people following the show. And I'm like, come on, Trump. No, but it's okay. It's been better than uh, Frank's speech so far, but I'm not done with Frank's speech yet. You just wait and we're going to get a channel on Frank's speech before, before the year's through. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, because we're getting a little bit, we're getting better at what we're doing here. We're getting into our groove. You know, you guys are really putting your faith into the work that I do here. And I can't thank you guys enough for sticking by my side and, uh, and and wading through my own perspective as crazy as it can be sometimes. Does the C report stand for the crazy report? It might, it might, but my last name is Cassidus, so that's kind of where I go with it. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so, all right, guys, let me take a breath. <laughs> I think I said everything I gotta say. Uh, and, uh, we will, uh, we will jump into the chats real quick, guys. Um, I got, uh, he, uh, I got, I got, I got a live one over at Twitch. Hey, welcome on in. Thanks for joining the show with us live. It's, uh, who killed Captain Alex Five? I don't know who Captain Alex Five is, but, you know, that is a very, very compelling, uh, avatar name. Uh, Putin bad, they said. Hey, we're gonna talk about Putin. We are gonna talk about Putin. We also got Christine C. Hey, you know, that's my sister's name over there in the foxhole. That's one of my sister's names. Like, Christine. Not Christine, uh. <laughs> but hello, Christine. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. First time I think, if it's the first time I think I've seen you in the chat, or maybe it's the second time I've seen you in the chat, but glad to have you with us. Victoria, thank you for joining us, and thank you for gifting the can. Bill Tech, it's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you when you pop up to say hello. Uh, Victoria said you were great last night. I was laughing myself silly. Okay, so Victoria is referencing a show that I do over with the Speak Uneasy. Okay. <laughs> you saw that, Victoria? Whoa, whoops. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about uh, the Speak Uneasy show on Wednesday nights. Uh, I think it was the third time I've been on his show. And uh, are we ever going to get to Russia and Ukraine? We got Winsome Sears at 7 p.m. on the dot, guys. So anyways, okay. It, we'll get to it either way. I, I, You know, that's why I saw Disco Ball Chaser. She's in the chat room and she's like, Mr. C, where is your coat and tie? And I'm like, you know, it, it's not after dark. <laughs> and it's not, well, hello. Just, to, you know, just all you have to do is scope out my background. And like that, that gives, that's the main telltale there. But uh, it's because uh, I've been off the air for two days. Uh, this is kind of informal and we're going to be on the air extended today. So we started at 6 p.m. today instead of 7.30 or 8. And we're probably going to be on till about 10 or 11 tonight uh, because we got Winsome Sears. We have, I want to actually, I want to talk about the new Virginia government because I, you know, we've been so busy here at the Sea Report. I have not even had a chance to congratulate the state of Virginia and their new government. So we're going to take a look at A.G. Mioris over there. We're going to take a look at uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. But we're going to kick it off with Winsome Sears. 
who is the first uh, elected black woman a lieutenant governor of Virginia. She's coming up in about 32 minutes, guys. She's going to be live with us. Well, not on my show, but we're going to be streaming something with her on it. We're also going to be talking, we're going to be talking about Ukraine and Russia. I mean, we have to talk about it, guys. We just had a show on this on Monday. And I got, I got a lot of feelings about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. Like, if I may say, just to preface the show, watching the newscasts the last couple of nights, okay, watching the newscasts, uh, well, actually, I mean, he technically, he started his invasion this morning, Russia time, right? I'm like, this is the, this is the craziest uh, full-scale invasion I've ever seen with uh, one scene being repeated, right? And no, no soldiers, uh, just maybe five helicopters. Uh, <laughs> you guys probably wonder where my head is with this. My head's going in a bunch of different directions. Um, and, and because you, as you guys know, if you've been following the show, when I'm talking about this whole Russia, Ukraine, NATO, deep state, elitist, globalist thing, right? I'm thinking like... And I'm telling you guys, like, look, Russia says they don't want to invade. Ukraine says that Russia is not going to invade. Biden and the globalists in NATO keep saying they're going to invade. So who's telling the truth here, right? Well, I will tell you as of this moment, I do believe that Putin did invade Ukraine. Okay, now... I know, I know, right? Because then we had the Donetsk region, we had the Luhansk region, and the Donbass region, okay? Donetsk and Luhansk uh, um, People's Republics in the Donbass region, to be geographically correct, right? Uh, and and that was kind of like uh, an access point, right? Uh, but then you also had Belarus. They're, they're saying they're coming from Belarus, they're coming from the, the, the Donbass region, and they're coming from Crimea. And that Putin has launched a trifecta attack into Ukraine. And they're in Chernobyl? Why are they in Chernobyl? Okay, and then they're taking over an airport. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on now, right now, guys. But my C-Sense is telling me something else is going on here. And so, and because Putin said two things that really struck my opinion, okay? Putin said two things that struck my purview. One thing that Putin said was he is performing a military operation in Ukraine. Now, I know anyone could say that. I know the United States said that uh, whenever they went into Iraq and Afghanistan. We're doing a military operation, okay? But there's just something about that phrase. It it sounds so neutral. It's not like they're saying we are going into Ukraine to to overthrow the country. So, I mean, that, that that could be a political kind of gameplay that he's saying. But when I think military operation and I think white hat, I think it's a military operation against the globalist black hats. That's where my mind goes, okay? Don't put it on my nose, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm just saying that's where my mind goes. The other thing that he said was he's going to be, he's getting rid of Nazis. He said he's chasing Nazis out of Ukraine. And I'm like, 
We just talked about the Nazis in Ukraine on Monday and the news is saying this guy's crazy. There's no such things as Nazis in Ukraine. Well, we got some more articles that will support the fact that President Obama utilized Nazis, far left groups, far right groups, and they're still utilizing these neo-Nazis in Ukraine in order to defend the Donetsk and the Luhansk. We just talked about this on Monday, okay? And here we have Putin coming out saying that he is denazifying Ukraine. Something bigger is going on here, guys. And uh, there are a couple of President Trump interviews that have come out since. He was on with, uh, he was on with um, that chick on Fox. What's her name? The blonde-headed one? I can't remember her name right now. She, he was on with her, and he was also on with Buck Sexton and the other guy, okay, <laughs> talking about this. So we'll, we may listen to those a little later on tonight. Uh, we're going to be on tonight, guys. That's why I have no suit and tie on tonight okay i feel a little naked at the moment but uh if you're listening to us on the podcast it makes no difference whatsoever okay okay so we'll leave it there okay but that's where i'm gonna that's those are that's the little those are the little uh morsels uh, appetizers i'm gonna give you about ukraine and russia for now something is up guys and uh my my gut tells me that this is a white hat operation to get the the globalist black hats in Ukraine because we've heard that you and you know I don't normally go here on the sea report right guys I don't normally talk speculation and conspiracy theory here on the sea report but with what is going on in Russia right now that's exactly where my mind is going that this is an operation to get them out because if you guys know anything about anything about Ukraine and the globalist deep state pig filth that have been trying to capture this planet, it is that Ukraine is a major center of operations for them with many, many bases. That's why I'm like Chernobyl, Chernobyl, like this place that is still full of radiation and death, Chernobyl, Russia has taken over the Chernobyl power plant and base. What base? What base in Chernobyl? I mean, if you know anything about anything about Chernobyl, you know that it used to be a secret military base over there in Chernobyl before the thing went kaputski and got irradiated with, you know, you know, uh, everything else that you got, you know? So uh, interesting stuff here. And we will, I have articles, guys. Okay, I got articles. It's just, uh, we're not going to get into them right now because Winsome Sears is going to be live in about, oh, I don't know. 25 minutes. Okay. So let me jump into the chat room real quick. Uh, I already said hello to Victoria, Bill Tech, Christine C, uh, who killed Captain Alex five. And, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Victoria. I went off on a tangent there. Um, let me, let me, let me, uh, close that thought up. Let me close that circle real quick. Not circle back Saki. Let me close the circle real quick on that thought with you, Victoria. Uh, I was live last night with the Speak Uneasy over on his channel. If you guys don't know who the Speak Uneasy is, maybe you should. Okay. If you go to my Rumble channel, I'm actually uh, mirroring those uh, Wednesday night shows. So uh, we had a, we had a pretty fun night last night. Okay. I get to I get to let some steam off on Wednesday nights, and I just uh, I I hope I wasn't too passionate for some of you folks. But it sounds like Victoria had a good time. So go and check out the replay if you haven't seen it yet um and i'll have uh, i'll have them posted to my rumble account soon but yeah make sure go follow us over at rumble guys you know go follow us over at, you know if you're on pill.net 
follow us. Look for the Mr. C channel on pill.net. If you're on foxhole.app, favorite this show, okay? And then that way you can always get notifications about when we're live, about, you know, when we're doing stuff, etc. So go and do that for me. It does my heart good, even though I have no idea who's favorited my show. But like, the bosses know, okay? <laughs> so you guys go and do that. Make me feel good. All right. Uh, let's see. Pilled by the Rabbit is in the house. Uh, Pilled by the Rabbit says, Howdy, Mr. C. I'm working and a lurking. Great to see you back today. Much love. It's good to be back. You know, like I said, I apologize and I appreciate y'all's grace in allowing me to take some time off when necessary. Uh, but yeah, that's why we're doing it early tonight and we're going to stay on late tonight. I, I mean, we might break up. No, 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 no. I'm not even going to plan it out. We're just going to keep going for as long as we're going. Right now, we're on the path of Russia, Ukraine, and also the new government of Virginia. You're like, the new government of Virginia? What are you talking about? Well, it's about time we said howdy do hello and congratulations, Virginia, on going red. And, uh, you know, I, I might have some reservations about Glenn Youngkin, okay? But that's not the point at the minute. Okay, that's not the point at the minute. What my reservations are, we'll get to them eventually, okay? But in the meantime, in between time, uh, glad you guys are live with us. Sean Joe is in the house. Thank you for gifting the cookie, Sean Joe. Uh, your support is always appreciated. You know, uh, people like Sean Joe, Relanon, always popping in and throwing a cookie my way, you know? And I'm always like, you know, it, I, don't, I don't have a cover charge here, guys, but I really appreciate it that you, uh, you, you toss your cookies at me, okay? <laughs> If I had a cover charge, it would be a cookie, right? Anyways, okay, so who is dissing Mr. C? Stephen Miller? <laughs> what, Sean Joe? <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about that sixth, that, that C sense, Sean Joe, is all I got to say. Uh, and he's, uh, he's, uh, patience, he says. Yeah, I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Apparently, Disco Ball Chaser is, uh, number 319,744 for Truth Social. Well, I'm like 2,803 or uh, 2,083,567 or something. And, and then I'm also 1,530. I don't know why I'm making up these numbers. 1,153,000. Where's my head right now? Anyways. Okay. Hey, Sonia, what's up? How you doing? today uh she says god bless you yes god bless everybody ladies and gentlemen okay what can we do because we have uh we have approximately about 20 minutes before we get winsome sears on so before we go into russia and ukraine we'll uh we'll we'll let's we'll we'll preface this with some winsome sears how about that guys i think that would be most appropriate let me see here. Where are we at? Winsome. Winsome Sears. Hey, lady. What's going on, girl? Okay. So Winsome Sears, let me put her on the screen for you guys. Now, for those of you who don't know, because we have not had a chance to talk about the new Virginia government, okay? We haven't had the chance to talk about them. So we're going to talk about them. And after we are finished with Winsome Sears' live interview, she's going to be uh, interviewed by Alveda King, ladies and gentlemen. So it should be worth, I think it'll be worth the watch, right? It'll be worth the watch for us. Um, uh, just to, you know, get a, get a flavor of what's going on over here. Now, Winsome Sears is the first black female elected lieutenant governor, conservative, 
in the state of Virginia. I mean, when we were talking about a red wave coming into 2022, 2021, etc., uh, it could not be felt more so than what happened in the state of Virginia when Glenn Youngkin took the governorship, Winsome Sears took the lieutenant governorship, and uh, we had A.G., well, uh, Miores, I forget his first name, I apologize. Actually, I have it here. I have his name here. Miores, Miores, Miores. <laughs> All I know is he's Cuban, right? He's Cuban American, and uh, he's the first. He's the first uh, Cuban American to take the uh, take the uh, position of att- attorney general in the state of. I mean, they had a lot of firsts over there in Virginia when that swept. I mean, it was a major sweep. You guys know it. You guys followed it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Let's see here. Uh, to be correct. His name is, uh, well, they just say A.G. Mears. Mark, no, wait, not Mark Mears. That's not his name. Uh, Hasson, Hasson Mears over there in Virginia, all right, was crowned the attorney general. And he's done some good work as well, guys. They've all been doing some good work over there. Really interesting stuff happening in Virginia. That was the, I mean, okay, aside from the fact that I think that the red wave in Virginia happened, I think, I think because like, I'll, I'll keep saying it. There are about 90 to 95% of uh, Republicans in our Congress that need to go, like federal level, not state level. They need to go, like they need to go. They need to get out of here. Uh, At least 90 to 95% of the Republicans, the conservatives in our Congress right now, Senate and Congress, okay, I think you guys would agree with me. They need to go. Like they, they're done. Like they're half, half or more of them are lifetime politician, career politicians. They need to go. We don't need them anymore. They need to just get the hell out. Okay. Like we are taking a strong stance here. You think that I think that Democrats need to go? Yeah, they need to go. The ones that are currently in office, but also in Republican land, in conservative land, there's like 90 to 95% of them that need to take a hike, okay? They need to get the heck out, all right? They need to go, all right? They need to go. We're done here in America with these sellouts that uh, are all into their own personal self-interests and all that crap. Like, we're done with it, okay, guys? You know we're done with it. I'm done with it. You're done with it. We're done with it, okay? It's done. It's just time to, to just get them out, okay? But... You know, getting back into talking about, you know, Winsome Sears and Hasson Miores and uh, Glenn Youngkin, you know, uh, I, I really do think that this red wave that happened in Virginia, it was inevitable because they had enough people turning out for it. You have when you have your voter, when you have your constituency show up to vote, it's hard for them to use algorithms or stuffing the ballot box or whatever to cheat because it becomes so obvious and cartoonish. Kind of like what happened in 2020 on November 3, where so many people showed up to vote. You know, we had we had the darn, you know, uh, the darn uh, Amish coming down from their mountains and their hills and their farms to come and vote. Like, I mean, we had a parade of Amish people and their stagecoaches with Trump flags. I mean, that many people, when the Amish show up to vote, ladies and gentlemen, you know it's something serious is going on. Because people like them don't just show up to use modern technology <laughs> for nothing. They're like, a ballpoint pen? What is that? Uh, I brought my quiver. 
<laughs> They're like, was this paper printed? Was this paper chucked from a tree and, and flattened into, into parchment? Or was it printed? Because if it was printed, I can't. If, it was, if this paper was created by modern, you know, uh, mechanics, I can't use it. They're like, you had to have flattened it out with a hammer and created proper parchment. And that's the only way that I will. Is this ballot parchment from that uh, huckleberry tree or whatever? Any, I'm just being facetious. I'm being funny. Anyways, okay, so... Anyways, guys, the Amish showed up to vote, okay? Like, everyone turned out to vote in Virginia. That's another reason why we had a red wave. But I also think for the 95% of rhino Republicans that need to get the hell out, it was a trade-off, right? They're like, we'll give you New Jersey if we get Virginia. I mean, that's all like, I mean, come on, you know, like, and, and other things came out about New Jersey during that election as well, guys. Like, that's where we learned, ladies and gentlemen, that on the regular, New Jersey shuts down like, yeah, a couple of their precincts. And, and and then they they take their machines and they put them in storage for two weeks or so. And then in order for you to get access to the information or so, you have to have like a judge uh, a judge's approval or so. And so and that that is common practice in New Jersey. Has anyone followed up on that story? Has anyone in New Jersey? Do I have anyone in New Jersey in the audience tonight? Has anyone in New Jersey been like wait? Uh, they said this is normal that they shut down like some precincts and then they put their voting machines into a warehouse for two or three weeks and no one has access to them. But, you know, after two or three weeks, they release the data. But by then they've already declared the winner of the election. Anyone in New Jersey hear about that? Because we reported about that here on the Sea Report. I can't do much for you in New Jersey, but uh, if you're in New Jersey, you could probably do something about it. That seems pretty uncommon to me. And the thing about it is the reason why that hit the news, guys, is because in in one of the major uh, counties there, wherever, whichever Jersey City, Atlantic City, whatever, I don't know what, Ber Bergen County, Ber I don't know what the name of the county is, but in that county, they shut down 56 machines. They shut down 56 machines, and I bet you it's because they had such a, a, a turnout for conservatives and for Republicans. I bet you they had such a turnout. They had to shut down 56 machines, and it made the news. And, and, they, and then that's, the, that's when the guy was like, well, this is actually common practice. But uh, it's so cartoonish and obnoxiously obvious now because they had such a high voter turnout that they had to shut down 56 machines. Whereas they might have shut down, I don't know, maybe a dozen uh, for the last how many elections? I don't know that New Jersey's been doing this. Okay, but this is what they said. We played the news report. We played it verbatim. We played it first person eyewitness account. Okay, I'm not making this stuff up. Go back to the episode and check it out. You know, but I don't know. If you're from New Jersey, you tell me, guys. You tell me if this is a concern to you that they shut down all of these precincts, take their machines, warehouse them for a couple of weeks, and then they need a judge's uh, court order to get the data. They've already declared the winner and then they get the data and then who knows what happens from there. I don't know. Do you want to know how they've been stealing your elections in New Jersey, New Jersey? That's probably how, okay? So go back, check it out. This is what's been going on in New Jersey. They shut down 56 plus machines and that's, and they warehoused them. And that's the only reason why we know it happened, okay? Because, and I think it's because so many people showed up to vote in New Jersey and turn that state red. That's what I think happened. I think so many people turned out to turn that state red 100%. It was like going to be it was going to be like a red massacre in Virginia and New Jersey. 
but they have their way of doing things there. And like the man said, oh, it's always done this way in, in New Jersey like this. This is how we do things. He also looked very nervous about it, too, because they have been caught. But I can't do much about it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't live in New Jersey. So hopefully someone in New Jersey will hear this and they'll look into it and they'll try and investigate, stop it and correct the wrongs that they have been doing to the people of New Jersey. Anyways, Virginia is what we're talking about, guys. Okay, so let's get back to Virginia. Uh, Winsome Sears is on the screen. She will be live in about 12 minutes here. Let me uh, actually pull that screen up real quick to make sure we don't miss nothing. And uh, let's share with you guys a Winsome Sears story before we get started with her uh, interview. She's going to be interviewed again by um, Alveda King. And that will be over at the uh, America First Institute, America First Policy Institute. Okay, so that should be fun, guys. Alveda King interviewing uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, and they will be discussing the challenges and triumphs and the historic place that Lieutenant Governor Sears finds herself in today. Let's see here. Uh, okay, so story about Winsome Sears. Let's see. I think this one will strike y'all's fancy, guys. It struck my fancy. Okay, uh, this one will be fun. Okay, check this guy's out. I'm sorry, check this article out, ladies and gentlemen. Here's where we're going to start our Winsome Sears story for tonight. After Winsome Sears, we'll talk a little bit about Virginia and their new government since we haven't formally given them our congratulations here at the Sea Report, and I've been meaning to. And then uh, we will get into Russia and Ukraine because uh, it's already nighttime in Russia and Ukraine. There's no telling what else is going to happen over there, guys, at this point. So uh, we'll see what's up with that. There we go. Okay, so headline reads, bringing government to heal. Okay, now this is, this is pretty badass in my opinion here. Virginia's Republican Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears uses her patent leather stiletto <laughs> to bring state Senate to order after a prankster steals her gavel. Okay, now this might seem like it's diminishing the office of Winsome Sears. It's not, guys. In my opinion, this makes her absolutely fabulous. Okay, so let's check it out. The article says... Virginia's new Republican Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears used her patent leather high heel to bring the state Senate to order on Monday after a prankster stole her gavel and hid it. Now, let me trust me, guys. Some people might view this as the story of, oh, yeah, you know, Winsome Sears is probably doing a lot more important work, but they choose to focus on her using a stiletto to bring order to her courtroom. Like, oh, they're just diminishing women. They're just giving like, instead of doing a serious story on Winsome Sears, they're doing, uh, they're doing a, a foppish, like fake ass story on Winsome. No, guys, we got more than that. You know, you got to trust guys, but this is for a little bit of levity. Okay. Because I think she's going to do absolutely wonderful for their state in Virginia. Now, let's get on with it. Okay, so it says here, One shoe can change your life. Just ask Cinderella, Sears said as she banged the black heel on the podium. I'm like, was it a red bottom? Ah, just kidding. Washington. <laughs> Washington Compost reporter Laura Vozella tweeted a close-up photo of the shoe in question. With Sears responding, resourcefulness, never underestimate it. 
<laughs> so there's some photos of the new lieutenant governor. Oh, I just expanded it so you guys could see the photos better. Uh, the new lieutenant governor here in Virginia. There she is. In a stylish black and white uh, sweater vest. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oh, and there she is, gaveling the uh, uh, meeting to order with no mask on, with stiletto in hand, ladies and gentlemen. We, we, we'll do some fashion-forward stuff here on the Sea Report every now and then, guys. This is a fun story. Sears was sworn in in January as lieutenant governor and made history as the first black woman to hold statewide office in Virginia. It was much bigger than, than what I said, ladies and gentlemen. The first black woman to make a statewide office in the state of Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, that is no feat that is easy to accomplish. Uh, but like I said, everyone turned out for it, right? So uh, you turn out to vote, you're going to get what you want, ladies and gentlemen. Now, sorry about that. Okay, temporary distraction. Article continues. Uh, it says here, uh, she was the first black woman to hold statewide office in Virginia, the commonwealth that once held the capital of the Confederacy. All right, let's, let's not forget that Virginia is also the state that brought us uh, critical race theory and the 1619 Project. So they got some stuff to fix over there, right? Sears is Jamaican-born and ran on being pro-Second Amendment and against so-called critical race theory. She's a Marine Corps veteran and a former director of a homeless shelter. She and the new GOP governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, were able to take advantage of the political trends in November's off-year election before Democrat Governor Terry McAuffle won his race in 2013. Virginia had gone 36 years electing a governor who was in the opposing party of the occupant in the White House. Can you imagine that, guys? McAuffle... The 2021 Democrat gubernatorial nominee hoped to break that trend again, but lost to Yunkin and Sears by two points. In Virginia, governors are barred from running for re-election after one term, but can run again afterward, like McAuffle did. He was trying to keep the governor's mansion blue after the scandal-ridden Democrat Governor Ralph Northam. Uh, Sears, like Vice President Kamala Harris, presides over the state Senate and also, like Harris, can cast a tie-breaking vote. The Virginia State Senate consists of 40 members and Democrats hold a slim majority of 21 to 19. Last week, Sears cast her first tie-breaking vote on a bill that would allow a criminal defendant to appeal a judge's sentencing. Sears voted no on the matter. So that's pretty cool, huh, guys? All right. That's going to be your little introduction into uh, Winsome Sears as we get ready to see her uh, interview with Alveda King over at the America First Policy Institute live stream. And so we'll be doing that in just a sec, guys. But that's so that's so much fun. Like, that is just, that is a hoot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's see what you guys got going on. Hey, what's going on, Summer Breeze? Makes me feel like loving. Ah, okay, was I doing... What, what version of that song was I singing right now? Okay, was it the typo negative version? I don't know. Hey, Two Rivers, what's up? Let's get this started in here. Oh, Mr. Two Rivers, you have no idea. Disco Balls Chaser says, classy, simply classy. Hopefully it was, in, uh, it was an in-season leather... <laughs> Hopefully it was an in-season leathered stiletto. 
Well, I mean, you can never go wrong with black, right? Anyways, okay. And uh, that's what appellate courts are for, says Two Rivers. Well, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you there, Mr. Two Rivers. But absolutely, guys. So there you go. Let me see here now what's the status of our live stream and i'll go ahead and pop it onto the screen and i want to do i'll we'll we'll be doing more things like this as well guys uh where we're going to uh, feature a live streaming event. Because, you know, I have so many, like, you know, the American, America First Policy Institute. That's one, you know, um, what is the other one? Um, the America First Paul Institute. Uh, there's another one, an AFI or something like that. Not not the band, guys. But where we can do things like this, you know. And also with, uh, with other outfits like the Epoch Times. In fact, there's a really interesting Epoch Times interview that I would love to share with you guys. Uh, that's about wokeism, okay, and the origins of wokeism. And why pa- good patriots don't use words like woke, okay. <laughs> and I'm just saying, you know fix your name. And then, uh, there was another one too. I think that they did a series on communism, the history of communism and Marxism. I thought was really good. Of course, that's all behind a paywall, but I pay for it. So, you know, I can share it with you guys as we're trying to, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm not making any profit off that. You know, it's all about sharing the work with you guys and, uh, making sure that we have our resources available to us, etc. Uh, so, you know, stuff like that. And, and you guys know that we'll do it in fact, I don't know. We'll see where we go tonight. Uh, since I've been off the air for the last two days, maybe we'll do some extra stuff tonight. Uh, maybe we'll do a watch party or something like that. Two River says the EPOP times. <laughs> Sometimes, especially with our politically correct New York reporter, I don't remember his name. Yet, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm giving EPOP times a pass even though they have made a conscious decision to not cover many stories regarding uh, election integrity, etc. And I get it. They, they got sued, just like, uh, just like uh, you know, Newsmask. Oh, guys, some stuff I heard about Newsmask. I need to dig in. I need to dig in very much so. But some stuff I heard about Newsmask just about knocked me off my chair. Now, I only have one source on Newsmask and some information that I was, I heard. Um, but I need to look into that because guys, if this information is accurate and I trust my sources. And so I do believe it's accurate. In fact, it's an open source. It's a source that's available to anyone that cares to listen to what that person says. Right. But, uh, that source has pretty much been on the ball since I started listening to that source. And I don't get to listen to that source quite often, you know, uh, but when I do listen to that source, <laughs> it's always saucy and, um, news mask guys, if news mask is, is, if it is truly true, <laughs> what that person said about news mask, I think all of you guys are going to fall off your chair. Okay. <laughs> I think all of you guys are going to fall off your chair, but, uh, you know, just like, just like Newsmask and Hannity and all of them, Epoch Times got sued, right? And, um, so they made a conscious decision not to talk about the, um, the, oh, I think we're live guys. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. The American dream. Single mother in a small town her best to give her children the education they deserve. The American Dream is a young man in the urban city 
looking up at the skyscrapers around him and dreaming that one day he will run a business in one of them. The American dream is a baby born today who will one day transition from humble beginnings to the presidency of the United States of America. The American dream is realized by anyone who ever dares to hope, dares to create, dares to work hard and strive for something greater. The American dream is the ability to dream for something more and have the opportunity to see that dream become reality. Many streams converging into one mighty river. That's America, the greatest republic this world has ever known. I am Alveda King, and it's my privilege to is alive in the hearts and minds of Americans. And the dream must continue to be advanced. Ronald Reagan told us that freedom is only one generation away from extinction, and never has that reality been more apparent than it is today. My uncle M.L. once said, the house, the church house, the white house, the congress house, the courthouse, the school house, the bank house, the jail house, my house, your house, America's house, the world. I believe that America's best days lie ahead. And the best is yet to come. The Center for the American Dream is here to defend our inheritance and create the tomorrow that all Americans deserve. From the womb to the tomb. God bless America. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King and have the honor of serving as the chair of the Center for the American Dream at America First Policy Institute. I have the incredible privilege of being with a true patriot today, someone who has devoted her entire life to God and country. She is a mother of three, a devoted wife, a former Marine, and lifelong champion of U.S. veterans. When she was elected to the Virginia House of Delegates, she became the first Jamaican female Republican, first female veteran, and first naturalized citizen delegate to serve in that body. In 2021, she once again made history in Virginia when she was elected as the first black woman to ever hold a statewide office. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, thank you so much for being with us today. Lieutenant Governor, it's just wonderful to be here with you. Many people don't know your full story. I'm just learning so many things about you myself. So um, I'd like maybe to start with your family long before mm -hmm. you entered politics when you were in Jamaica. So how did your family decide to come here? Well, you know, in Jamaica, uh, we at the time were a British nation, as America was at one point, but you threw off your British roots faster than we did. And so most of the time when uh, Jamaicans emigrated, they would always go to England. But then the 
somewhere in the early 60s, they started coming more to America. Although Marcus Garvey, as you know, came in 1910 or so. Right. Harry Belafonte's parents came. Uh, I think it was his mother. And in 1919, Colin Powell, you wow. know, his wow. parents came. And so people actually have been coming to America from Jamaica since the early 1900s. And I want you to think about that wasn't too long after slavery ended. That's true. Why are black people coming to America so soon after slavery ended, knowing that there were now Jim Crow laws, segregation laws, all of these laws against us? So we have been saying we don't care what the laws are in America. America is where the opportunities the are. Land of opportunities. The land of opportunities. Absolutely. And so, uh, we, you know, we just ignored those. Right. So my grandfather actually came, I think it was the early 30s, as a fruit picker. Wow. To get some money so he could come back and help raise his family. And then my father came uh, in 1963, August 11th, just 17 days before your, I have a your yeah. uh, uncle, Martin Luther King Jr., gave his I Have a Dream speech. Wow. And so I said to my father years later when I heard the story, I said, why would you come then? It was a really bad time for us. You know, and he said, because this is where the jobs were. And I said, yeah, but you came at the height of the civil rights movement. He said, this is still where the opportunities were. I said, well, what did you do? He said, I came with a dollar seventy-five. Actually, he couldn't remember if it was a dollar fifty or a dollar seventy-five. <laughs> so I'm spotting him a quarter. <laughs> and 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 uh, he stayed with his sister for six months until he could find roommates, moved out, uh, and took, of course, several jobs, used that money to put himself through school, got his education and started his career. Wow. Then he came and got me when I was six. And by the way, in Jamaica, it was my job to dust the picture of your uncle that is just about on every wall in every Jamaican's home wow. because, you know, we revered your, your uncle so much. And to go from dusting his photo to actually then meeting his wife right, right here in our capital 20 years ago. And you have that photograph as and well. And I do. You dusted the photo and then you appear in a photo <laughs> in a with photo. his wife. Isn't that Imagine amazing? That. The, the Lord just works in mysterious ways. God knows ways. our past. Yes, he know? does. So I tell you all that to say that Education, as I keep saying, is what lifted my father, my family out of poverty. And it's what will lift all of us out of poverty. And in fact, yesterday I went and visited a school here in Richmond named after your uncle. Unfortunately, the school is not doing very well. It's, of course, a black population of children. And I, I spoke to the principal and she let me know I visited through and I was looking looking at the faces of the children as I was trying to encourage them and they just look so forlorn as if they just look so dejected and I'm I'm saying to one of the children the very first one and his name is William as a matter of fact after my, after my father wow. I said William what what makes you want to get up what gives you joy and he said I'm just glad that I live to see another day goodness and that's from a little child He's in the sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. What is he experiencing at his? And that that sounds like the, the, the saying of someone who is 40 years old. This child is a 40 year old child. And 
I said to myself, you know, we've got to do something. We've got to do. How is it that they attend a school named after your fa- your uncle, who who gives people so much hope, who wants the children to have a future, and this is what we have. And what year is it? Wow, 2022. You know, your uncle gave a speech to, I believe it's the Barrett Junior High School in 1967. Uh, what was it? Six months before he was executed, okay. he was assassinated, and it was called the blueprint for your life. Yes. And wh- and I read it to those young children, and I said, in the speech, what he says is, no matter what your sociological problems are, study, study hard. Yes. And then he said, no matter what your economic difficulties. He's saying this to junior high kids、yes. in 1967. Absolutely. He says, "What? Stay in school. Burn the midnight oil. If you're gonna be a street sweeper, be the best、yes. street sweeper. Sweep it like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep、do. them like Leontine Price uh, uh, sang operas. And so that when you die on your tombstone, they will say he was the best street sweeper." Ever, he did, he did. And I'm looking at these children, and I said, "This was said in 1967 to students like you.、Wow. You've got to make it. You've got to make it." They were suffering then. You're in a different place now. It is 50 some years later. You can make it too. And I am proof. I wasn't even born in America. Living proof. Absolutely. I stepped off the plane, the Pan Am. Remember Pan Am? I do remember I Pan Am. I stepped off Pan Am 737, Boeing 737, when I was six years old, and landed at JFK, into the South Bronx, and here I stand today to tell you, I did nothing special, and that's what I wanted those children to understand yesterday. I did nothing special to get here. All I did was do exactly what your uncle said: stay in school and study. That's it. Because if they think I had to do something extraordinary, they will never aspire. They will never say, "Well, Winsome did it. I can do it too." We knew that the second term of President Donald J. Trump would make the first look like prelude. Larry, Linda McMahon, and I were forced to confront our optimism and the president's own agenda for the second term, and ask ourselves, "What's next?" President Trump's making clear he has no intention of fading quietly. Never, ever quit. Former Trump administration officials are launching the America First Policy Institute. And it will focus on America First policy achievements and principles that were implemented successfully during the past four years. The think tank will also push back where these policy principles go off course. What you're seeing today is nothing less. In a national debacle, Border Patrol officers are overwhelmed day in and day out. They need support. They need leadership, and they're simply not receiving any of that from the current administration. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> This Green New Deal mentality that we see in the Democrat Party is coming home to roost now. This is a hundred-year play for the soul of this country, and the America First Policy Institute will lead the way. Being a part of AFPI, it reminds me when I came to the headquarters of a real. War room. America first means to me that we must remain the beacon of hope. Darkness doesn't even exist when there's light. We are carrying the torch forward. America first agenda is all about、um, the American people and 
bringing power back to the people. And at the American First Policy Institute, we believe the best is yet to come. And the best is yet to come. Learn more at AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Never, ever quit. Well, you know, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. also said that he had a dream and it's rooted in the American dream. Mm -hmm. And as you explained this, your grandfather and then your father, your parents, mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. in pursuit yes. of the American dream. Yes. Education is so important. Now, I don't want to make an assumption. So let me ask you in this manner. So you support quality education. Mm -hmm and the parents making those decisions mm -hmm. for their children mm -hmm. and those who pray we're hoping they're praying as well and that is for the public school the private school the home school the parochial school and all education should be good and quality education mm -hmm. that will give hope to our children absolutely a hope and a future as mm -hmm. jeremiah 29 11 said yes, it does. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah well Wow, and we could actually talk about this all day, but some things that I discovered after you became a Marine, and I want to hear about why you decided to be a Marine, uh -huh. and then you did exactly what you're saying to these young people. You went back to finish in pursuit of your education. Yes. So tell us first, how did you decide to become a Marine? Well, you know, it was never in my plans, and as I say, you can never plan your life, you know. Um, you, you can be prepared yeah. and you can have plans, but you know, God will lead you. So I graduated from high school in the Bronx early okay. and I used that time to do a few things. And then I was going to start college. I had my whole uh, coursework ready to start that August. Well, in July, the, the month before my grandmother died, my paternal grandmother. And if there was anyone on earth I knew loved me, it was her. Mm. And when she died, my whole world just crashed. Mm. I was 18 and I was flail I was failing very badly. I, I didn't I had no reason to live. Went back to Jamaica for her funeral, told my mother, well, I'm just going to stay here and die. Oh, and I was 18 and I really I was didn't know what to she do was with myself. Your anchor at that time. Yes, she was. Yeah. And my mother said, well, if you're going to stay here and die, I have rules. And you have to do this, you have to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I thought, well, when I'm in America, nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> but I didn't know what to do. I, yeah. I just, I knew I was not going to stay with her. Yeah. You know, I'm 18, you know, just yeah. getting my, you know, feet under me. And, and she had a, a jet magazine on her dining room table. Okay. And so I picked it up and it flipped open to a picture of a Marine with the words, the few, the proud, the Marines. I said, yes, the Marines, the Marines will give me a reason to live. Oh my goodness. And that's how I became a Marine. Wow. Because I, I said I needed the discipline. And let me tell you, the, the, the Marines, yeah, they will shape you up very quickly. And I had a New York attitude because I was raised in New York and they told me, you know, you're not going to make it. But they knew exactly what to say and how to say it and to whom. Because if they had said that to somebody else, they might have said, yeah, throw me out. Wow. But they saw something in me that 
knew that, no, no, she doesn't like to fail. And so when I heard that, oh, I shaped up very quickly. So that's how I got into the Marine Corps. And it has really informed just about everything I do. Wow. Now, I do have to say this. A lot of people say, well, the things that I do are bold or, or whatever, and they attribute it to the Marine Corps. No, no. Marines, yes. But the overriding, over arching reason why I do what I do is because of God, because I know there is no one greater. No, When God opens a door, no one can shut it, no matter what you do. And that's back to that Jeremiah passage. I know I have a plan. Low yes, quality plan. got you down. Of course, of course. And guiding you in need of a na- each of these paths. So it is incredible. With the Lord leading your steps mm-hmm. along the way, mm-hmm. and you've come from Jamaica, you have overcome the loss. Mm-hmm. of your human mm-hmm. anchor mm-hmm. and you discovered that God is your anchor mm-hmm. and he still is today mm-hmm. and so how did you come from being a marine to directing a homeless shelter oh there's a lot of life in there so um, I was also by the way a single mother in between all that while okay. I was in the Marines I became a single mother Okay. And uh, but I was always out on uh, deployments and and playing war games somewhere. And so other people were raising my child. And so I knew that that was not going to work. And uh, so I I uh, got out of the Marine Corps and got married and we had uh, other children, but I'd always wanted to go to law school. You know, I never forgot that. And I I didn't want to be 40 and wonder what if, you know, what if I had tried. Well, I needed to get my degree. My husband already had his degree, Marine officer, by the way. I did not meet him until I got out. So, okay. um, you know, there's a lot of fraternization that a Marine Corps frowns on very, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, we, we, we had our children and then we moved back to Virginia. We were stationed in California, moved back to Virginia. And I, we, he took a less paying job so that I could go to school and he could be home more. We sold one of our vehicles and I took my last child, our last child, uh, to daycare on his bicycle. (laughs) Yes, on the back seat of the bicycle, not a bike, a bicycle. Determination as a family working together. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Dropped her off at daycare and went on and did my classes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not telling people I don't know the struggle. I do know the struggle. I started college when I was 25, had three children under five. Wow. Yes. Wow. So my husband and, and one car, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, but we did it. We did it. And in, in the whole process, I, you know, I, I took the LSAT, you know, for, for law school, passed it. But then I thought, why do I really want to be a lawyer? And None of the reasons were any good, and I knew that I would not survive if if I'd done it. And so I decided to do something else. You know, I worked for the Chamber of Commerce, business, and uh, then I worked with uh, the Homeless Shelter for Women and Children, which is a whole other story about how the Lord worked that out. But it was the most, it was the best job I ever had because I could see that if I could put hope into lives, that they could blossom. But the thing I realized is that if the people you're trying to help don't want that help. There is nothing you can do until they want, they want it. it. You can't make people.
Okay, so I don't know uh, if they went off the air or what's going on here. Okay, let's see. Winsome Sears, where'd you go? That was a good point you were making right there right now. Oh, what do you guys think about this? Are you all guys enjoying? I mean, I know uh, True Rivers is enjoying the... Uh, uh, <laughs> True Rivers, you could be a pundit, sir. Oh, did y'all notice I got a tie on? Okay, let me... Uh, I'm going to restart this page. I don't know why it just suddenly went off the air. There's only five people watching this, guys. And with the all of my audience with us right now, there are actually much more than that. Okay, so... Oh, come on. This was this was fun, right? This is different. It's different, right? Let me get this uh let me get this off here. There we go. Okay. Let me get my micro there we go. There we go. Okay. I think she's very inspiring too, uh Disco Ball Chaser. I am quite enjoying this interview. It's different, you know, like we don't get to hear these types of voices all that often. I just I just wish we could figure out why they suddenly went off the air. Good lord. Um, okay. Come on. Come on, Alveda. Come on, Alveda. Let's get this stream working, hun. You have an audience watching this, this right now as we speak. I'm going to write a message. What, what should I put, guys? Uh, Winsome and Alveda are very inspiring Americans. I'm not even going to put women. I'm going to put Americans. Love the neck scarf. <laughs> you know I'm going to put it. Oh my goodness. Why did I spell neck with a K? <laughs> uh, okay. Two Rivers says, I can relate to her testimony about schooling and going in another direction, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we're put on the path that we need to go on to. You guys are probably wondering why I'm always <laughs> doing weird stuff like that. Uh, okay, come on, Alveda. Come on, girl. Let's get you going again. Man, and they're live. Like, this is live right now. So, uh, I mean, you know, things happen live, right? Things happen when we're live. So, hey, WC Crane Up, what's going on? What's going on, sir? Yeah, Two Rivers says, scarves over cannibalism any day. 100%, sir. Aw, is this over? Okay, let me leave that comment. Oh, it went away. Okay. Um... Oh, Americans, right? We said Americans. Love the neck scarf. <laughs> okay, I'm putting that in the comment. Okay, all right. Hooray! Okay, cool. Um, Dang it. It really stinks that they are not live now. Uh, something happened. I guess they got knocked off. I <laughs> Let me put... Where'd y'all go? was enjoying this interview very much. I'm going to put a sad face because I'm sad that it's over. But we're we're not done yet though guys. We're going to talk we're going to talk 
Uh, we're going to talk the new Virginia government, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're going to do. If you are joining us live over at Foxhole, Pilled, Twitch, Rumble, Clout Hub, I think we're also on DLive and Trovo tonight as well. I figured, why the heck not? Uh, thanks for joining us again, guys. Thanks for being here with us live and in person. Uh, we were just checking out the America First Policy Institute interview between Alveda King and uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears of the state of Virginia. It seems that uh, it seems that the interview has received the kibosh. But uh, you can most definitely go to the America First Policy Institute Rumble page or go to their website. And, and you know, True Riverset is another one. It's the America First Project. That's another good one right there, guy. That's another good one right there. But uh, America First Policy Institute, you know, who, you know who is one of like the, uh, not the founding members, but like the CEO or one of the, uh, one of the board members is Linda McMahon. You guys know who Linda McMahon is, right? <laughs> That's Vince McMahon's wife, y'all. Vince McMahon's wife. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I love it. Anyways, guys. Hey, classical chick. How you doing? Hope you guys are doing well tonight. Hey, may as well, while we, while we have a pause here, I'm going to keep this up just in case they come back live. Because I really would love it if they came back live so we could finish hearing that interview. It was, it was, I was enjoying this interview very much. I didn't know exactly how long it was going to be, but enjoying it very much. Okay, so while we have this break, while we're waiting to see if uh, they'll come back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're joining us live, make sure you head over to the creport.com. Creport.com. And uh, we have a brand new email list, okay? So join that email list. And if you would, if it is your prerogative, I will send you a sticker or two. And uh, we have new promotional stickers from, uh, from Printus Maximus. You guys know Printus Maximus. That's the, uh, that's, that's the uh, brain pod child. Right? Uh, cre creative child of BrainPod, Printus Maximus. He helped us with the design. And 123SKG, my heart to yours. Thank you so much for your support in that endeavor. But if you sign up for our email list, so this way, if we're ever off the air, like we were not on the air the last two nights, uh, you'll receive a handy dandy little message in your inbox because you know the deep state and other bad actors as such will try and put the kibosh on us every now and then. So if anything should ever happen, if anything untoward ever happens, ladies and gentlemen, you can absolutely sign up over at the email list. First 20 to 25. That means that I have not had yet about 25 people sign up. But first 20 to 25, I will send over a promotional sticker if you would like to receive it. If you'd like to remain ge geographically anonymous, I can respect that as well. Okay, it's your prerogative. But uh, otherwise, some of you guys might have gotten an inbox from me in your email about that. And I'll definitely be sending out emails to uh, others uh, to see uh, anyone who signed up. I'll get an if you've signed up since I start talking about this, I will get back with you and I will uh, see if you'd like to receive a sticker. There's a few of you guys out there already that have signed up. So uh, 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I guess they're done. This is most sad, sad day. Most sad, sad day. Uh, Disco Ball, Disco Ball wants to wants me to finish my comments about Newsmask. Oh, sorry, Gur. I cannot spill the beans on Newsmask unless I have the receipts, which means I need to go dig into that. And uh, but trust me. I mean, I trust my source on that one. Okay, I trust my source implicitly, if you're listening. But, um, unfortunately, I will not spill the beans on Newsmask until I go and get the receipt for myself. And I will do that. But I'm telling you, you guys will fall off your chair. But uh, in order to fall off your chair, you would have to know... Everyone that I'm talking about on those receipts, and I think a lot of you guys do know, but some of y'all might not know who I'm talking about when I share that information. It's not like it's not like I'm gonna say news mask is actually a George Soros outfit. Ah, are you back? Ah, okay, hold on. I'm gonna. Uh, we got picture again. Yeah, I'm okay. I think they're back. So I'm not going to say that news mask is a George Soros outfit, right? But that's kind of what I'm talking about right there, okay? All right, we got some fo- we got some picture again here. Let's see what's up. It looks like they're trying to figure out their life. Uh, but nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, let us attempt to return to the Alveda King and Winsome Sears interview, and then we are going to get into some. Uh, we're going to get into some topics about the brand new Virginia government, because it's been far too long. Like their primary elections with Glenn Youngkin and Hassan Miores and Winsome Sears happened months ago. We have not been able to say hello, how do you do and congratulations. That's what we're doing tonight. And we're doing it with a live interview to break it off, to kick it off the icebreaker between Winsome Sears and Alveda King. Let's see where we're at now, guys. You can't make people... Nah! <laughs> Come on! Seriously? Seriously. Seriously. Maybe they're like, there's only one person watching this interview and he's broadcasting it to other people, so let's just kick it off. Come on, America First Policy Institute. I'm sending everyone to your website. <laughs> Aww. Boo. 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 Look at, someone gave me a rumble. (laughs) Someone gave me a rumble over there on rumble for saying that I love her neck scarf. (laughs) Okay, guys. I mean, we'll just have to watch the replay. Let me do this. I'm going to drop the link in the chat room. That way you all can check this out later on. Go subscribe to America First Policy Institute, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. And uh, you can check out this interview. I'm sure they'll have the replay up. They they tend to uh, they tend to replay, like allow their their live streams to replay. So hopefully, hopefully, they will do that for you guys. Now I'm gonna go over here so that I can go ahead and drop that into the chat. For you all, let me go ahead and also mute myself before you hear myself talking to myself and you guys. 
Hey, it's me. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. I'm dropping the link into the chat room right now. Shabam. Did you guys get that? Okay, cool. All right. Now let me get this off the screen because that looks weird. Okay. Dang, that stinks. Well, America First Policy Institute, you can't say we didn't try. All right. Let me... Uh, I guess the, I guess their internet is not as good as mine. Okay. <laughs> Let me see what you guys are saying and we'll get the show on the road, guys. We'll because uh we've been on for what? A couple of hours now? No, we've only been on for an hour and a half about. No, it's not it's not been that long, okay? Uh let's see here. Let's see here. We got uh Aha! Disco Ball wanted to see Winsome Sears shoes. Hey, look at their back. Okay. <laughs> Winsome, show us your heels. Um, okay, we got uh, we got uh, WC Cranop was in the house. Um, Classical Chick is in the house. You ended up in the spam. Oh, I ended up in your spam folder, WC Cranop. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it happens. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And uh, boo AFPI for the feed drop. I mean, they're the America First Policy Institute. They should have a pretty good feed. I'm not ragging on them. I'm just saying, you know. Oh, well, Two Rivers does say, I hope it's not from an enemy attack. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, I, it was getting inspirational. It was getting to the point that uh, what they don't want is to have a spokesperson or a role model for black Americans or Americans of color, right? Because I guess that is still a thing in the year 2022. Uh, but considering that uh, Winsome Sears is the first black woman elected to statewide office in the state of Virginia, where, where the 1619 project is born from, right? where the confederacy is established, I guess, yeah, that is, uh, that is an amazing feat, okay? And I'm sure she has a very inspirational story. And with, with all luck, uh, you know, they'll have the rest of this interview posted at some point in the future. So, yeah. But we got what we could while we could get it, guys. And if you're listening on the podcast... Uh, sorry, but I guess there was technical difficulties from the live streamer and, uh, maybe we'll, 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 maybe we'll do an episode where we just post it like on its own or something like that. We'll try and if not, we drop the link. Otherwise go to America first policy Institute. Actually, let's go visit their rumble page. And, uh, that way, if they have a website posted here, we can get that up. It doesn't look like they do. Okay. So let me go ahead and do this. We're going to do them. We're going to throw them a bone here. America first policy. And this is also for the, uh, the podcast audience, because after all, they can't see what we're doing. So, uh, you go to, uh, America first Now these guys are good. They've been around. They, they're MAGA patriots. They're save America, America first. Like, you know, I, I definitely try and vet, the organizations that I support, like, uh, like the, uh, what was that one again? Save America, uh, uh, thing, Majigger. Anyway, so yeah, AFPI, 
Not to be uh, confused with the Austin Festival Poets International. Because <laughs> they would probably sue them, honestly. Uh, but yeah, so you can go there. If you're in our podcast, it's AmericaFirstPolicy.com. That's uh, where we were checking out tonight's show. It still says it's live. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't tell anymore what's going on with them. But uh, okay, guys. So I guess let's, let's, let's get the rest of the show on the road for tonight. Hope you guys are cool with that and can dig it. Because uh, they are having technical difficulties. Actually, you know what? Maybe I should see if they have a page here first before we move on. Maybe they have like their own like video player on this website. Because I mean, come on, it's the America First Policy, uh, Policy Institute. They gotta, they gotta have their ducks in a row, right? Like, here's their. Oh, let's check their YouTube. Okay, I, how much you want to bet it's still working on their YouTube, right? Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's see. Nope, I guess not. <laughs> I guess this is stalled up on their YouTube as well. I don't really do YouTube anymore, guys, at all, period. I see no point in a Patriot being on YouTube. And I see no point in a Patriot using Go Ogle Google to search their crap. Like, come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Let's walk the talk here, guys. Let's not be using Google to do searches anymore, guys. I mean, come on. It's so easy to set your um, default search to another search engine. I'm just saying, walk the talk. If you're going to have a show, walk the talk. Don't be using Go Ogle to search live on the air, guys. I know I'm calling people out right now, but I do it with love. I do it with love from my heart to yours. Walk the talk, guys. Don't be using Go Ogle to search live. Do you know how, how hypocritical that looks? I say that with love. I say that with love and a lot of strawberry cheesecake sauce. How about that, guys? <laughs> I love you all. But stop using Go Ogle to search if you are a content creator. It just makes you not look right. <laughs> okay. All right. We're done there. I think we're done. You know, more people are watching this live after I pass that link out <laughs> than they were before I did. So America First Policy Institute. <laughs> mm. Two River says that the America First Policy Institute just finished their presser, their Georgia presser. They're pressing Georgia, huh? Oh, actually, there is a uh, there is a press conference out of Georgia that I would like to live stream. We might do it tonight, guys. I told you, I've been off the last couple of days. We still got to talk about Russia and Ukraine, but we're not going to do that just right now. Rook, Rook, go here. <laughs> Where are we going, WC Cranov? <laughs> oh my goodness, this is awesome, guys. It's fun kind of being, you know, semi-casual with you all, right? If you guys didn't notice, I put a tie on. <laughs> okay. All right. Alveda King, Lieutenant Governor Sears, it has been a privilege and an honor. But uh, we will have to go ahead and, uh, you know, continue on the show. You know what I want to do real quick? I'm going to look for this on the air right now. I pray to God there's a gif for this. <laughs> and I will, like, 
I will be so grateful. Probably not. There is no... All I'm getting is Marge Simpson. <laughs> Nobody cares about Marge Simpson. Okay. Ah, oh, there she is. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, hold on. You guys know I always say this. The show, I always say this, guys. I always say this. Whenever something happens on the show, I say, as Microwave Marge would say, the show must go on, okay? <laughs> Do you guys remember? I'm going to make a meme out of this, okay? <laughs> this is Microwave Marge, okay? I need to make a meme. <laughs> if you've ever seen Gremlins Part 2, you know who Microwave Marge is, Okay. She's the one who uses the extra sherry and her tuna noodle casserole, okay? <laughs> I'm going to make a meme, or if someone can make a meme for me, the show must go on, okay? So I'm sorry, Winsome Sears and uh, Albeda King, but the show must go on, as uh, Microwave Marge would say. And, uh, okay, guys. <laughs> All right. It was a pleasure and an honor, ladies. We're out. Okay, guys. Are you guys ready to get on with the rest of this show, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. Let's do it. <coughs> For all you people on the podcast, you have to see a live stream. You have to see a live stream to know what the heck we're doing over here because you guys are missing out on a lot. Hey, you know, actually, Spotify. Oh, Spotify tracks you. And Spotify didn't cancel Joe Rogan either, but Spotify, they're, apparently they're doing like, they're doing um, uh, video podcasts on Spotify now. So actually, if you're in my Spotify audience, you might actually start seeing the C-Report in living color. Ooh, you can do what you want to do. <laughs> in living color, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up the new Virginia government, guys, because we've been talking about it all night long. Uh -huh. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, okay. <laughs> the Disco Balls Chaser says, Strawberry cheesecake sauce will kill some of us. What you think I'm trying to do? No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, so pictured here on the screen, we have the new Virginia government. Okay, this isn't all of the new Virginia government, obviously. And again, we're late on this, guys. We've had so many other stories coming through the, the desk of the Sea Report. We have not been able to give our proper congratulatory news report on the red wave that crashed into the shore of the state of Virginia a few months ago. So we're going to do it here tonight, guys. And, you know, we kicked it off with Winsome Sears and Alveda King. And again, I apologize that uh, we were not able to finish seeing that live stream, but... It wasn't my fault. Okay, so anyways, pictured here, we have Governor Glenn Youngkin. We have Attorney General Hassan Miores, and we have Lieutenant Governor, wait, Attorney General, right? I said that, Attorney General Hassan Miores and Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears for the state of Virginia. They swept Virginia in a massive red wave that was basically a trade-off so that New Jersey wouldn't get a red wave. That's just what my C-sense tells me. Ladies and gentlemen, but here you go. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about these three wieners. Wieners, not wieners. Okay, wieners, like wieners. You know, like when you get the gold, you're a wiener. 
Not a wiener, but a wiener. Okay. All right. So let's get back to our stories on Winsome Sears. I got a couple, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna recap some recent news events and occurrences. Which with each of the three, okay, each of the three uh, um, top office type of uh, um, uh, they're not candidates anymore, obviously. Uh, top office uh, um, winners, winners, not wieners, winners, right? So we're talking about Winsome Sears. We got to learn a little bit about her. We found out that she used her six-inch stiletto taunt, taunt, taunt when someone stole her gavel because this woman's got it going on, right? Okay, and that wasn't to diminish her office or uh, or her personage at all, but I thought it was pretty cool and I thought it was worth sharing because, hey, that's my kind of leader, right? She ain't gonna let, she's not gonna be like, where's the gavel? I can't, I can't uh, adjourn or call into session or control this room without a gavel. She just picks up her stiletto and goes, bam, 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 order in this court. Okay, so that's pretty cool in my opinion. So let's check out this article here. This is actually com- coming from facts from faux news, right? Faux news right over there with news mask. Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears says lawlessness in America is coming from the highest levels. Do you think that she's just talking about the O'Biden illegitimate administration? Or do you think she's talking about something much more deeper than that, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know. Let's find out. It says, uh, Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears argued on Sunday that lawlessness in America is coming from the highest levels, explaining that she believes it is from the presidency on down where there is no leadership. Sears made the argument during an exclusive interview with Sunday Morning Futures with telling host Maria Bartiromo that she believes there is a vacuum and that leaders seem to be following what's happening on the streets. Now, let me tell you something. Since the days of President Trump and uh, this coup that happened on 3 November, there's been a great big sucking sound that has been happening in Washington, D.C. And it's not just because this illegitimate administration sucks. It's because there's been a vacuum of leadership, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It goes on to say that's not going to work for anyone because the leader has to lead. That's why they're called leaders and they have to show the right way, the righteous way, Sears told Bartiromo. There is right and wrong and you can't look at what's happening in the streets and smash and grab and say, well, it's just social justice. No, it's theft and it's destroying our economy. Sears was referencing the wave of retail thefts taking place in cities across the country in recent months, with thieves stealing everything from luxury goods to eyeglasses. More than half of the retailers nationwide, 57%, said that there has been more organized retail crime since coronavirus pandemic began. That is the coronavirus 2019 pre-planned pandemic from a uh, a genuinely manufactured, uh, you know, virus that has not yet been isolated. Uh, And it says here that according to a survey conducted last year by the National Retail Federation, it's 57% more organized crime than they've ever seen. Now, it says here, Sears argued on Sunday that current leaders follow the polls and they don't have a righteous bone in their body. She encouraged them to lead properly, probably by leading by example. Right, guys? Like, that's the best way to lead. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it says New Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin issued an executive order in January banning mask mandates in school. The order now faces multiple court challenges, but last week a bipartisan group of Virginia lawmakers moved to end mask mandates in the state schools. A group of 10 state Senate Democrats voted with Republicans for an amendment that would allow parents to opt their child out of masking in schools. A rule that aligns with the Yunkin order, which was signed on his first day in office last month. Several other states have also moved to eliminate mask requirements in the past few weeks. Winsome Sears says the governor fulfilled his campaign promise and he told everybody, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, but allow the parents to make that decision for their own children. Because as far as we can tell, the children still belong to the parents. They don't belong to the state. Not just yet. Not if we can help it. Some parents filled, uh, filed issues with it. And now we have a bill that's going through and it looks like it will fully pass. And we'll have a law here that parents will make that decision after all. Sears was sworn in as the first black woman, the first woman in general, to hold her position just days before Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Sears, a Jamaican immigrant who came to the United States when she was six years old, hopes that children today can find inspiration from her own experiences. <clears throat> Here I am, second in command of the former capital of the Confederacy, she noted on Sunday, stressing that no one can say then that we have not gotten a long way from where we started. And furthermore, I'm an immigrant. I wasn't even born in America. And look, America has given me opportunities to succeed, she continued. She acknowledged that there have been problems in the past, including slavery and segregation, but here I sit to say we are not back in those days. Sears also acknowledged that there are still problems and stated that America is overcoming those challenges. On Sunday, Sears also weighed in on O. Biden's plan to pick a black woman for the Supreme Court, noting that she hopes that the president will choose a judge who respects the Constitution, will uphold the laws, judge fairly, and not be partisan. I mean, come on, guys. I think a lot more stories like this are in store for us in the future of this country. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at this article here. This is from the Washington Examiner. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears seeks a new black caucus after fellow Republicans turned away. Okay, so, you know, here she is, the first black woman, the first woman in this office. And what? She's getting pushback from what? Black GOP people, right? Black Republicans. Is that what this is saying? I don't know. I could be wrong. Let's find out. It says the Virginia Black Caucus denied Delegate A.C. Cordoza's membership Thursday. While he's African-American, he is also a Republican and suspects that is why he was blocked from joining. Oh, I get it. I get it. Other black people don't want black conservatives or black Republicans in their caucus. Okay. So, hmm, yeah, has nothing to do with uh, the, the has nothing to do with their character. Has everything to do with their political alignment. Mm. 
yeah, well, let's see what uh, Winsome Sears has to say about that. Virginia, Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears has a solution. Start a new truly black caucus. Okay. It says, as a black Republican, Sears sympathized with the discrimination Cordoza experienced. We're trying to start a new carcass, caucus, she tweeted Friday. In the tweet, she included a link to Cordoza's story. Name suggestions? The You're Not Black Enough Caucus, the No More Division Caucus, the Welcome Caucus, the Let's Do Away With Caucuses Caucus, the Friend Caucus, the We Shall Overcome Caucus, the I Can't Believe They Didn't Accept Me Caucus, <laughs> the Watch the Trolls Come Out Caucus, the Tear Down This Wall Caucus, the Becky with the Good Hair Caucus, she tweeted separately, oh my goodness, winsome! <laughs> That is too funny. Virginia's Black Caucus claims in its Twitter bio to be committed to improving the economic, educational, political, and social conditions of every of uh, African Americans and underrepresented groups in Virginia. Currently, there are 21 members, 17 in the House and four in the Senate, but all are Democrats. As a result of being blocked, Cordoza called out the caucus on Twitter. He said, it's important to have different black voices at the table to address challenges in our community, Cordoza wrote. In this nation's history, civil rights leaders always understood this. I'm disappointed that the Virginia Black Caucus does not embrace true diversity. Sears is the only black Republican the caucus has allowed serving in the House from 2002 until 2004. So clearly... When we're talking about the Virginia Black Caucus, if you ain't Democrat, you ain't black. <laughs> to quote a clown by the name of O. Biden. Okay, so how interesting. How very interesting. Well, don't you just love that sense of humor, though, guys? That is some funny stuff right there. Like, she got a sense of humor as well. <laughs> The We Shall Overcome Caucus, the I Can't Believe They Did Not Accept Me Caucus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I wish we could have seen the rest of your interview with Alveda King, Miss Winsome Sears. <coughs> okay, guys, now we're going to talk about Hassan Miores. Hassan Miores is a Cuban American. So just imagine that. You got Glenn Youngkin sitting on the top. You got Winsome Sears and Hassan Miores. Do you think that this is a token administration, guys? Because this is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first not white person to assume the office of the AG, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I don't think they've even had a black American in this office in Virginia. But now you have a Cuban American inhabiting this office. And this was what was even more earth shattering about this red wave in Virginia is that not only did the conservatives or the Republicans take over this, um, this state, so to speak, once again, but you had multi uh, ethnicities, right? That were, you know, coming into the party which really shows diversity. I think it's far more diverse than the Virginia Black Caucus, for example. <laughs> for example. Uh, far more diverse, you know, and it, it totally stands in defiance of what the Democrats or the left-leaning liberals, uh, you know, parlance is usually, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a party of white people and they're racist and every other ism that they can think about to throw at you. 
which is why I'm saying maybe we will show, maybe we will have a watch party for that wokeism um, uh, documentary interview that uh, Epoch Times threw out. It's actually really interesting. So maybe we'll do that. We'll see. Uh, I want to do a few more watch parties. But anyways, uh, as I was saying, with Hassan Miores, he assumes like the highest office over law enforcement or, you know, law. He's uh, the attorney general. Hilaire, okay. And uh, that, again, was another first for the state of Virginia. Uh, but let's take a look at some stories on Hassan as we continue our uh, recognition, acknowledgement, congratulatory episode about the new Virginia government. Again, this happened in January, guys. We're almost at the end of February. We've been so consumed with other stories. Uh, I think tonight was a good night to do it, kind of breaking away from the Ukraine-Russia craziness that we're going to get into a little bit later on. All right, so it says here, Virginia AG Mayoris has withdrawn from a lawsuit seeking to compel the government to recognize the state's ERA ratification. Well, what the heck is that, right? Like, and uh, this guy's been kind of already, like, making some waves in the state of Virginia. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's check it out. We'll bring this up to the front. And it says here, the Commonwealth joined the push under former Democrat AG Mark Herring. In 2020, Virginia became the 38th state to ratify the ERA aided by newly elected Democrat legislatures. Okay, so let's see if it expands on that. It says Virginia Republican Attorney General Hassan Miotis, uh has withdrawn the state from a lawsuit seeking to compel the federal government to recognize the Commonwealth's 2020 ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment and place the text in the United States Constitution, according to the Associated Press. Miotis... Miotis in a Friday court filing requested that the Commonwealth be removed as a party to the lawsuit, which was backed by his predecessor, former Democrat Attorney General Mark Herring, and is in the appeals process before the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. The amendment, which has been championed by legions of women across many generations, states that equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Two years ago, Virginia became the 30th state, 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, meeting the two-thirds threshold to be added to the Constitution, but the extended congressional deadline for passage was nearly four decades ago on June 30th, 1982. <laughs> And at the time of the initial 1979 deadline, 35 states had ratified the amendment, three short of what was needed at the time to meet the constitutional requirements. Miotis's office said that a range of legal opinions deemed the 2020 ratification as too late to count. Any further, any further participation in this lawsuit would undermine the United States Constitution and its amendment process, said Victoria La Civita, a spokesperson for the Attorney General. The Department of Justice last month issued an opinion stating that ratification of the amendment is in the hands of Congress. The decision by Miotis represents a stunning reversal to the Democrat momentum which led to the Equal Rights Act's passage in the Virginia House of Delegates after the party regained control 
of the lower chamber for the first time in 20 years. The bill was introduced by then-state Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy of Prince William County, who was a 2021 gubernatorial candidate in last year's Democrat primary, too much fanfare. While virtually all Democrats backed the bill, only a smattering of House Republicans supported the final version of the legislation. Miotis, who was a state delegate from Virginia Beach at the time, voted against the bill. Um, okay, so let's see here if this is all there is to it. I actually kind of want a little bit more on this. Let's see what this one here has to say. Um, I want some more sauce, ladies and gentlemen. I want some more sauce. Oh, is that it? We're done? Okay, I guess we're done. Okay, so let's see here. I want some sauce. I want some sauce. Okay, let's see what this one says. We're doing a little bit of live dig here, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you don't mind. Um, let's see. Withdraw from the ERA. Maybe some of you guys remember this. It's 19, what, 1979, 1984? <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, let's see here. This one actually kind of does a little bit more splaining. Let's see what this has to say here. Okay. Virginia Attorney General moves to withdraw from ERA lawsuit. Let's see. Virginia Attorney General Hassan Miotis speaks to the crowd. Oh, that's a caption. My bad. Uh, Republican Virginia Attorney General Hassan Miotis moved Friday to withdraw the state from a lawsuit that seeks to force the federal government to recognize Virginia's 2020 vote to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and add the text to the Constitution. In a court filing, Miotis asked that the Commonwealth be dismissed as a party to the lawsuit. Miotis, who took office January 15th, has reconsidered Virginia's position and believes a district court previously correctly dismissed the suit. Um, former Attorney General Mark Herring and two other Democrat attorneys general initially brought the lawsuit in January 2020, days after Virginia's legislature voted to make the Commonwealth the critical 38th state to ratify the amendment. The vote came after years of efforts by advocates who argued the amendment would guarantee women equal rights under the law. Miotis, uh, then a member of the House of Delegates, voted against its ratification. Constitutional amendments must be ratified by three-quarters of the states or 38 states, but complicating the matter, Congress enacted a ratification deadline for the ERA that passed four decades ago. Let's not forget. A number of states have also moved to rescind their ratifications. After Virginia's 2020 vote, the Trump Justice Department issued a legal memo concluding that because the deadline had expired, it was too late for states to ratify. The only option for supporters was to begin, at the, begin the process all over again in Congress, the department said at the time. The National Archives, which certifies the ratification of constitutional amendments, said it would abide by that opinion unless otherwise directed by a final court order. Nevada and Illinois, which were the 36th and 37th states to ratify the amendment, then joined Virginia in suing the archivist. In March 2021, a district court judge appointed by former President Barack Obama granted a request by President Donald Trump's administration and a group of Republican attorneys general to dismiss the lawsuit. The plaintiff states appealing or appealed filing an open opening brief in January. 
Victoria La Savita, a Miatis spokeswoman, said in a statement Friday that any further participation in this lawsuit would undermine the United States Constitution and its amendment process. She cited not only the March 2021 ruling, but also a January 26 memo from the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel, which did not back away from the previous finding that the ratification deadline had passed. Because clearly, four decades is four decades, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Nevada Attorney General Aaron Ford said in a statement that his office would continue its appeal. A spokesperson for Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul did not immediately respond to an emailed request for Friday on comment. Uh, advocates say the Equal Rights Amendment, which was initially proposed in Congress in 1923 and passed in 1972, would enshrine equality for women in the Constitution, offering stronger protections in sex discrimination cases and giving Congress firmer ground to pass anti-discrimination laws, Opponents warned that it would erode common sense protections for women, such as workplace accommodations during pregnancy, and could be used to support abortion rights. That's what's wrong with it, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I was looking for here, guys. I was like, what's, uh, what's up with this? Okay, so it says here, a 2020 poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research found roughly three in four Americans supported the gender equality amendment. The news of Virginia's move to withdraw was welcomed by the Alliance Defending Freedom and a conservative Christian legal group that had previously filed a friend of the court brief arguing against Virginia's initial position. The Equal Rights Amendment has been legally dead for decades because its proponents failed to secure the required support from the states to amend the Constitution. The group's general counsel, Kristen Wagner, said in a statement, Virginia made the right decision to withdraw from this unsuccessful lawsuit. Douglas Johnson, director of the National Right to Life ERA project, said Herring had engaged in grandstanding before getting clobbered at the district court level. Virginia is well advised to remove itself before the next round of judicial clobbering, he said. Democrats, including Herring, meanwhile criticized the move. House Minority Leader Eileen Filler-Korn said Virginia Republicans were trying to subvert the will of the legislature and the people of Virginia by opposing the Equal Rights Amendment, which should have been ratified four decades ago. Democrat Party of Virginia Chairman Susan Swecker said Miatis was sabotaging two years of work on the issue, calling the move another truly sickening effort to drive his discriminatory, far-right, and out-of-touch agenda. Oh, he's discriminatory, but he's a Cuban-American. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Okay. The article concludes, Friday's filing marked the latest in a series of decisions by Miortis to reverse legal pursuits undertaken by Herring. What an interesting read that was. Okay, I'm glad I dug a little bit deeper. I got a little bit closer, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's see what else we got here from uh, A.G. Miotis, ladies and gentlemen. We got, uh, I got two more articles I think I want to share with you guys uh, about the newly christened Attorney General of Virginia. Tonight, our episode is a little bit of a love letter to the new government of Virginia, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it says here, this is from uh, Washington, oh, yeah, Washington Examiner, okay, says that Virginia Attorney General says public universities cannot mandate COVID-19 gene serum inoculations, but they say vaccines. Okay. But we know what they are. We're not, we're not, 
We're not daft, ladies and gentlemen. We know exactly what those things are. Okay. All right. Here we go. It says, New Virginia Attorney General Hassan Miatis said, it's Jason, but you know, you say it like Hassan. Anyways, if you Spanish... Hassan Miatis said in a legal opinion that public universities in the Commonwealth could not mandate that students receive coronavirus vaccines or booster shots in order to attend in-person classes. Miatis, uh, who took office earlier this month, issued the memo Wednesday at the request of Governor Glenn Youngkin, who campaigned on ending mask and vaccine mandates. There's a little uh, graphic here. It says uh, cases have nearly doubled in the last two weeks with the Omicron variant spreading rapidly through the United States of America. Okay, well, I, you know, you still shouldn't endanger your child's life with, a, with a, an, uh, an experimental gene therapy session. Okay. Anyways, the article continues. Uh, this is from the desk of Hassan Miatis. He says... Although the General Assembly specifically authorized public institutions of higher education to assist the Department of Health and local health departments in the administration of the COVID-19 vaccine, the legislation did not grant such institutions power to impose vaccine requirements. Well stated, Hassan Miotis. The opinion cited a Virginia law that specifically states against what disease students at public universities must be vaccinated. Uh, Miotis said that because of the clarity of the statute, it was unlawful to require COVID-19 vaccinations because of its absence in the statute. There is no question that the General Assembly could enact a statute requiring the COVID-19 vaccine for in-person school attendance, Miotis wrote. As of this writing, it has not done so. Several public universities in Virginia had previously mandated vaccination as a condition of attendance for in-person classes, including the University of Virginia, Virginia Tech University, James Madison University, and George Mason University. In the press release announcing the memo, Miotis' office said that he is vaccinated against COVID-19 and has received a booster shot, and he encourages everyone to get the vaccination. But his office added, nowhere in the code of Virginia does the law say that Virginia's public institutions can require vaccinations as a condition of enrollment or in-person attendance. All right. So, you know, they're using whatever angle of the law that they can in order to ensure that we retain our rights, ladies and gentlemen. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, uh, I mean, it should stand that way anyways. I know my audience in general agrees with that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, what do we got here? Uh, this is from, ooh, this my, ooh, Democracy Now, ooh, just the name of that. Uh, but I think it's the headline that pulled me in. Virginia Attorney General fires January 6th investigator from university position. Okay. So we're going to, this is a dishonorable mention here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is a dishonorable mention uh, from Democracy Now. And apparently they're going to be complaining, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, they're going to be complaining because uh, of what Hassan Miotis has done. Let's see what, let's see what it says here about this, uh, about this, um, 
January 6th investigator. Oh, this sounds like it could be a little bit of fun, right? I think this could be a little bit of fun. It sounds like it could be. Okay. So uh, reading a dishonorable mention, reading the enemy's papers, Virginia Attorney General fires January 6th investigator from university position. Okay, like I said, this guy's, uh, this guy's making waves over there in the state of Virginia. Uh, Virginia's new Republican Attorney General has fired the top attorney for the University of Virginia, a move condemned by Democrats as political retribution. Retaliation, right? The attorney, Timothy Heafy, serves as the top staff investigator for the House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol false flag riot insurrection. Uh, Is that it? That's all we got? They don't got nothing else? Come on. Seriously, Democracy Now! That's all that I opened this up for was just for you to tell me a headline and then a sub-headline. Oh, how disappointing. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's all we got. Okay, they don't got nothing else to say about it, I guess. <laughs> they don't got nothing else to say about it. Okay, well, what are we going to do about it, guys? I guess it's just good to know. I, they could have given us a little bit more sauce there, I think. I think. Hey, 123SKG, how you doing, ma'am? Thank you for gifting the cookie and gifting the can. Nice to see you in the audience. Uh, the Printus Maximus stickers are in Miss 123 SKG. So uh, get me a whole, uh, email me over at thecreport.com or get, uh, get a hold of me on pilled.net direct messaging. So uh, if you'd like, I would love to send you a sticker or two just to say thank you, ma'am, for your support in our promotional work here. And while I'm at it, ladies and gentlemen, if you stop by thecreport.com, thecreport.com, here it comes, ready or not, here it comes, you too can receive a free promotional sticker or two by signing up for our brand spanking you email list, ladies and gentlemen, because we need to thwart, subvert, and get around the uh, big tech censorship. You never know when you might need to. Join that email list and we'll get you news updates, promotional updates, scheduling updates. We won't do it all the time, don't worry. Unless we're off the, uh, unless we're off the, uh, off the air every day. <laughs> uh, but we'll let you guys know. We'll let you guys know. We'll keep you abreast on any developments going on over here at Mr. C TV or the Mr. C channel or the C Report or whatever broadcast or uh, podcast that you enjoy that we put out here over at Mr. CTV. All right, guys, thecreport.com. Sign up for that email list. list first 2025, I'll send some stickers out too. And uh, those stickers are brought to you by 123SKG and Printus Maximus. Ladies and gentlemen, they're handsome stickers, I must say. Quite handsome stickers. All right, okay. Who dat? You see why I came in a vest right now? I had to have my vest on. I don't got I don't got my tux on or anything like that. But hey, I you have to admire a well dressed individual, ladies and gentlemen. I think Glenn. Oh whoa! <laughs> I wasn't trying to focus up on me, guys. I promise. But I think Glenn Youngkin is probably the best dressed governor I've seen in ever. <laughs> Now, a lot of you guys out there might think this is just a little bit too much. 
He's accessorized up to the nines. I'm guessing he's also wearing a pair of suspenders, okay? Because if you notice, he don't got no belt on, all right? But you can't see those suspenders. This man is so complex, he's layered. He's got his vest. He's got his ascot. He's got his, uh, he's got his, uh, what is that? Uh, this little, he, he's not wearing a fascinator, obviously. <laughs> He's got his brooch, uh, or whatever the heck that thing is called. He's wearing gloves, okay? Like, I, I, when I first saw him giving his inauguration, inauguration speech, I kind of felt like we jumped back to, like, 1890 or, like, 1902 when uh, men actually knew how to accessorize and uh, liked to uh, represent well, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not digging on the men out there, but you guys are lazy, okay? So, anyways, okay. All right, so there's Mr. Yunkin looking far more smashing and uh, more, more. I mean, he's, he's more dressed than his wife, okay? <laughs> She's got that neck scarf thing going on. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From $0.99 cents per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. Thanks again for joining us live, guys. I hope you guys are having a great time tonight. While we talk about the new government of Virginia, night's not over yet, guys, but we'll see what we do for the rest of the evening. I'm just saying, the night's not over yet. Okay, so let's talk about Glenn Youngkin. Now, before we get into some Glenn Youngkin stories, guys, let me just tell you, you know, again, he was uh, he was riding the crest of the uh, red wave that crashed into the shores of Virginia. It was inevitable, to be quite honest. It was inevitable that it was going to happen. You know, the trade-off was New Jersey. Yeah, but it was going to happen. I think, uh, I think so many people turned out in Virginia to vote for their new government that, uh, they wouldn't have been able to have stolen it anyways. Not like New Jersey. Okay. But we already talked about New Jersey. Go back to hour number one and, uh, you can hear what I had to say about New Jersey or check out the replay on any of the platforms that we are uh, broadcasting live, or if you're on the podcast, we'll have tonight's episode loaded up as soon as possible. Now, as far as Glenn Youngkin goes, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely um, happy that we have uh, a conservative, uh, someone who seemingly is going to follow the will of his constituents, you know, 
Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think anyone would agree that we would be for any person, regardless of their political affiliation, who does who does those things, you know, uh, respects humanity, uh, respects our God given rights, respects our rights to choice, respects the Constitution, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think all of us are for that, you know, ultimately, and then everything else kind of gets like uh, uh, mired down in the minutia, so to speak. However, you know, uh, Glenn Youngkin, from my understanding, he does come from a big banking pocket, okay? So, I'm not going to cast a shadow of doubt or, uh, you know, un uncertainty over the man. But, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how well this man plays out in his governorship, uh, considering that he does have a lot of big moneyed supporters behind him. And... That's not to say that everyone who has big money behind them should not be trusted, but more often than not, ladies and gentlemen, they uh, do belong to their insider interests, okay? Uh, take, take Rhino Abbott, for example. Rhino Abbott over here in Texas, you know, it's coming out more and more that uh, his, his showmanship as a politician and the governor for the state of Texas it really is pliant based on who's putting money into his war chest, okay? We found out most recently that uh, some of that money was coming from big energy by way of natural gas companies and tycoons and also uh, other, other energy resources here in Texas. There's no telling who else is putting money into his war chest that he is beholden to. We're talking about Rhino Abbott here specifically, uh, especially when we're talking about the fight to protect our children from abuse. And uh, by that, I mean, uh, you know, if a child wants to be Wonder Woman, but they should be Batman according to how they were born, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at least wait until they're 18. Don't make them do that when they're two, okay? And then have uh, chemical chemical castration drugs from pharmaceutical companies shoved down their throat and, and then come to find out that these pharmaceutical companies have been paying Rhino Abbott, uh, you know, to, to uh, kill the bill that would otherwise stop their, uh, stop their bankroll from coming in and, uh, you know, not allow parents to issue these types of abusive drugs to their children, okay? When their bodies are still developing, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. I think you guys can get what I'm trying to say here. So anyways, Glenn Youngkin, you know, uh, does come from a path that seems like he would be in someone's pocket, but we are going to give him the benefit of doubt. We are going to give him the benefit of redemption if that comes into play in any way. You know, it makes no difference to me at this point. Uh, because after all, I'm in Texas, not in Virginia, but we, we will watch the man. Let's, let's see if he is uh, truly, truly who he says who he is, or if he's as slick as Rhino Abbott, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I'm also trying to offer a little bit of a warning to the good people of Virginia. Just keep an eye on the man. But so far, it seems like he is doing what he has promised the people of his state, his constituents, that he's going to do. So here, here for Glenn Youngkin, and congratulations on winning the House governorship. All right, let's see what this has to say here. This article comes to us from the Gateway Pundit. Now, this is the one that kind of just, it really got the ball rolling, okay? Uh, Virginia Governor Youngkin signs 11 executive actions on his first day in office, including banning critical race theory, ending the vaccine mandates, ending school mask mandates, etc., 
So let's see what this article has to say about Governor Yunkin. It seems uh, 123 SKG says that uh, Governor Yunkin belongs in a British production. <laughs> well, you know, men, men used to know how to dress. Miss 123 SKG, men used to know how to dress. Republican Glenn Youngkin was sworn in as Virginia's 74th governor on Saturday. Now, this is from back in January, this article. Youngkin is the first Republican governor of Virginia in over 10 years. Youngkin defeated dirty Clintonite Terry McAuffle uh, in November as Republicans nearly swept the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Critical race theory and concerns about safety in schools was the top issue for Virginia voters in November after a female high school student was raped in a girl's bathroom by a transgender boy wearing a skirt. Parents should have say in what is taught in school, Youngkin said during his inauguration speech to a standing ovation. To parents, I say we respect you. Following his inauguration, Governor Yunkin immediately got to work and signed 11 executive actions. Governor Yunkin banned this divisive critical race theory, mask mandates at schools, and withdrew from the regional greenhouse gas initiative. Here is a list of executive actions that come from WFIR. These executive orders include... Executive Order Number 1 delivers on his day one promise to restore excellence in education by ending the use of divisive concepts, including critical race theory in public education. Uh, Executive Order Number 2 delivers on his day one promise to empower Virginia parents in their children's education and upbringing by allowing parents to make decisions on whether their child wears a mask in school. Executive Order Number 3 delivers on his day one promise to restore integrity and confidence in the parole board of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Executive Order Number 4 delivers on his day one promise to investigate wrongdoing in Loudoun County. And that is the county where the aforementioned story about the rape of the uh, schoolgirl comes from. Executive Order Number 5 delivers on his day one promise to make government work for Virginians by creating the Commonwealth Chief Transformation Officer. And uh, is that where we end, Gateway Pundit? I thought we had 11 of them. Okay, just a moment. So very good, very good. It seems that he is keeping his promise to fellow Virginians. All right, let's look at this in non-immersive. Okay, here is more. Why I don't get this in immersive, I don't know, but let's go ahead and read this. One, two, three. They just wanted us to see all the little weird uh, advertisements, the advertisements that are so prominent on this web page. Executive order number six delivers on his day one promise to declare Virginia open for business. Executive order number seven delivers on his day one promise to combat and prevent human trafficking and provide support to survivors. Executive Order Number 8 delivers on his day one promise to establish a commission to combat anti-Semitism. Executive Order Number 9 delivers on his day one promise to withdraw from from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Executive uh, Executive Directive Number 1 delivers on his fulfilling uh, his day one promise to jumpstart the economy by cutting job-killing regulations by 25%. And Executive Directive number two delivers on his fulfilling his day one promise to restore individual freedoms and personal privacy 
by rescinding the vaccine mandate for all state employees. And uh, it says here that was a pleasant surprise to many Americans. I would uh, second that notion. All right. That's pretty cool, guys. Pretty cool. And that is Glenn Youngkin. I would say that's a, that's a way to start off your governorship, right? That's a great way to start off your governorship. Hey, WC Cranop, thanks for donating 1,076 gold pills. Now, that's the number I can go with as long as it lasts anyhow. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate your generosity. So much, sir. Appreciate you. Now, uh, let's check out this article. Glenn Youngkin goes full MAGA from Washington Monthly. Now, I didn't preview this article personally. Yeah, I like to cold read sometimes. But let's see. Uh, is this a good article? A bad article? I mean, full MAGA sounds good to me, guys. I don't know about you. But that sounds pretty good to me. So uh, let's see what it has got to say. In contrast to his campaign persona as a genial fleece-wearing dad, (laughs) newly elected Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia has spent his first few weeks in office as a MAGA warrior. His day one executive orders canceled school mask mandates and banned the teachings of critical race theory. He established a snitchy tip line for citizens, reports, and observations of divisive practices in the classroom. He nominated Donald Trump-aligned figures to populate his administration, such as the former Trump EPA chief and coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler. Okay, so you know, guys, this is uh, this article is a uh, an enemy paper. Okay, this is an enemy paper. Uh, and like I said, sometimes when you read enemy papers, you get a perspective and you get information that you don't always get because they're digging at things to like, they're, they're, they're sharing things to dig at, uh, you know, these like people like Glenn Youngkin or conservatives, whatever. So they're actually highlighting good points that we might've missed in the conservative papers. You know what I mean? So let's just see what else this, uh, heavy breather with intestinal woe the Washington uh, Monthly has to say about Glenn Youngkin. And we'll be like, all right, good job, Glenn. You know, while they're over here, he's doing this, 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 this racist. Okay, so it says, it says here, uh, okay, so he nominated Donald Trump aligned figures to populate his administration, such as the former Trump EPA chief and coal lobbyist, Andrew Wheeler. And he unleashed savage Trump style Twitter attacks on perceived enemies of his agenda. These moves have not gone over well in a purple state that has elected... I mean, they're not purple no more, okay? (laughs) That has elected pragmatic moderates like U.S. Senator Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, okay? And that gave Joe Biden... Joe Biden! A 10-point win in the 2020 election. According to you, okay, we know there was fraud in your state. We did an article about what happened in the university counties, okay? We know there was fraud there. We covered it, okay? Majority of the Commonwealth's public school districts, comprising a majority of the state students, have defied his mask order. Seven districts have sued to block it. TikTokers have spammed his tip line with prank complaints, and the Virginia Senate nixed his bid to install Wheeler as the state's top environmental officer, making him the first cabinet pick of any governor, Republican or Democrat, to be rejected by the legislature since 2006. One of his Twitter victims also turned out to be a teenager, and Youngkin is now under fire for revealing the 17-year-old's full name and photo, 
doxing is not a good look for someone who ran as Mr. Nice Guy. Well, I mean, I don't really have a comment on that, to be quite honest with you. There's a simple explanation for the resistance Yunkin faces. This is Virginia, not Texas. Eh, yeah, 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 I don't know. This article is already getting old. The 55-year-old cannot run as an aw shucks Republican and then try to govern like Florida's Ron DeSantis. Case in point, when Youngkin recently ventured to the grocery store, a fellow shopper confronted him for being the only unmasked customer in the checkout line. After Youngkin defended himself as, as making choices, the woman shot back, Yeah, look around you, Governor. You're in Alexandria. Read the room, buddy. A video of the encounter has so far racked up more than 4 million views. I don't know. We could watch that video, but uh, at least the man is uh, walking his talk, right? Youngkin has indeed failed to read the room, mistaking his narrow win as a mandate for Trumpism in a state that has at most become a deeper shade of purple. I mean, it looked pretty red to me, guys, during that sweep. His attempts to remake, uh, remake the Commonwealth into a southern South Dakota will end in frustration thanks to closely divided legislature and a skeptical electorate in heavily Democrat Northern Virginia. That's not the entire state of Virginia. Uh, rather than doubling down on a highly polarizing culture war where any victory will likely uh, be Pyrrhic, Youngkin should try to capitalize on his well-run campaign and credentials as a Harvard MBA and private equity CEO to make real progress on the abundance of challenges facing Virginia. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, let's see here. It talks about Loudoun County, Arlington, Fairfax County, the wealthiest counties in Virginia. Uh-huh. Let's see here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> good for you. What is the name of this uh, rag again? Washington Monthly. Well, we're glad that you recognize Tiran as a full MAGA. Good for you. Okay, so let's look at this article. This is from uh, WCLU Radio. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin signs a bill ending mask mandates in schools throughout the state. Now, this one's actually a relatively new one, if I'm not mistaken. Let's just get a date on this. It might be end of January, but it could be fresher. Oh, no, February 17th. All right, this is within a few days ago. Okay, well, within a week. Uh, okay, so the uh, in, uh, the article that we just read in question about this whole mask mandate, since apparently uh, Virginia is deep purple, according to them, let's see what this has to say. On Wednesday, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin signed a law ending mask mandates in school throughout Virginia. The law allows parents to opt out their children from wearing masks despite conflicting local mandates without providing a reason or getting an exemption. It also bars online learning options, preventing schools from enacting hybrid systems and requires schools be open for in-person learning five days a week. Sounds like a win to me. So I guess he made an executive order and then the state legislature followed that up with a bill to make it a law officially is kind of what that sounds like to me. Youngkin had signed. Oh, here we go. Youngkin had signed an executive order barring mask mandates on the day he was inaugurated in mid-January, but several school districts challenged it in court. The newly elected governor was pushing to deliver on his campaign promises to end the mandates and affirm what he said are the rights of parents in education. The new law comes as school board meetings have become political battlegrounds over COVID mandates and 
as an increasing number of states have let indoor mask mandates expire this month, including California, New York, Delaware, and Nevada. In addition, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Delaware, Connecticut, and Oregon will stop requiring masks in the next few weeks because it's election season. And they will leave it up to individual school districts to decide if students should wear them or not. And Texas, Utah, Florida, and Oklahoma are banning requirements altogether at a state level. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention currently recommends that blah, 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 blah. They also currently recommend that you, uh, I don't know, uh, offer your child to sacrifice to the devil and stuff like that. So we don't jive with that here at the Sea Report. If you've been watching this show for any amount of time, obviously you guys know that. All right. Okay. Uh, I think we only got a couple of more for you guys tonight on the topic of the new Virginia government that we're finally having the chance to recognize, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's, uh, what's this? Haha. Yeah, let's, we'll go there next. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see what else Mr. Youngkin is doing for the people of Virginia. Governor Glenn Youngkin extends federal tax exemption for small businesses. That sounds pretty cool, right? I wish I had a small business tax exemption. I wish I had a small business. I guess I kind of do. All right, but not really. Okay. Governor Glenn Youngkin has signed a bipartisan bill into law that will exempt small businesses from paying taxes on COVID relief grants. The amendments to the state tax code passed as House Bill 971 with unanimous support in the House and Senate bring the state in line with federal tax policies passed as part of President Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan Act. This bill ensures programs designed to aid businesses don't transform into tax liabilities that hinder Virginia's economic recovery, Governor Youngkin said in a statement. The policy means that small businesses that received a paycheck protection loan or restaurant revitalization grant will not have to pay federal or state taxes on the money. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, Delegate Kathy Byron, the bill's patron, said in a statement, making our tax code more consistent with the federal government is not only the right principle, it's also good business, it's also good for business and good for everyday Virginians. I don't know if I can agree with that statement in all cases, though. I mean, because after all, you know, the income tax is unconstitutional. Okay, but she's talking about business, and uh, I don't have too much uh, knowledge about that, personally speaking, so we'll leave that there. They're just going to make sure that if you got money during the COVID crisis, that you're not going to have to pay taxes on that. Now, what could be wrong with that, right? Glenn Youngkin's energy policy offers alternative to Biden's green inflation. Huh. This is from the Washington Examiner. Moving right along, right, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, under Governor Glenn Youngkin, the Virginia, Virginia is cutting a path back in the direction of affordable and reliable energy supplies. It could yield economic and environmental benefits for state residents. If Youngkin is successful in his efforts to free Virginians from policies that drive up the cost of utility bills, his approach would serve as a sharp contrast to the Biden administration's incessant assault on domestic energy production. For starters, Youngkin has signaled his determination to withdraw Virginia from a multi-state climate change agreement known as the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. The Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative is built around cap and trade regulations that limit carbon dioxide emissions. Participating states compel electric utilities to purchase carbon allowances at quarterly auctions 
whenever the utilities surpass the initiative's cap on emissions. But it is the ratepayers who absorb the cost of the auctions in the form of carbon taxes. Youngkin explained how this works in his executive order calling for a re-evaluation of Virginia's participation in the climate change scheme. The order also highlights a filing from Dominion Energy, the state's largest utility, that found that the RGGI will cost ratepayers between $1 billion and $1.2 billion over the next four years. Having the RGGI in place at the state level while the Biden administration creates upward pressure on energy prices nationally would prove untenable for Virginians. Tom Pyle, president of the American Energy Alliance, a nonprofit consumer advocacy group that favors free market energy policies, said greenflation is taking root in response to President Joe Biden's quixotic attempt to replace fossil fuels with unreliable, intermittent and expensive renewable energy, and not to mention, he's buying oil from Russia. Da-dun-thunch, right? Okay, Youngkin's executive order represents a fresh break. Even better, his order is not taking place in a vacuum. There is also pending legislation that would repeal the RGGI along with the so-called Virginia Clean Economy Act, which is overloaded with all kinds of renewable mandates. Uh, Bonner Cohen, a senior fellow with the National Center for Public Policy Research, a free market think tank in Washington, D.C., views the RGGI as an environmental and economic disaster. He credits Yunkin for reversing course. He says, the schemes are inherently regressive with those least able to pay for the green utopia seeing their disposable incomes vanish. RGGI was the ticket to this house of horrors. And Governor Yunkin had the sense to see this and the guts to get Virginia out of this madness. Oh, man. So that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, Yunkin, you know, got to hand it to him. Got to hand it to the man. Now, as I was saying earlier, ladies and gentlemen, about, you know, he's in the pocket of some big money interests, right? I mean, he comes from big banking, okay? Um, and big, what, big finance, I guess. I don't know how you would say that. But uh, here's one. Here's just a tit for a tat, right? Here's an interesting article. I think this is the last one we have for Glenn Youngkin. And uh, we'll call it a wrap on, uh, on the, uh, the, the recognition of the new Virginia government. Uh, he says here, I am a big proponent of the vaccine. So saith Governor Glenn Youngkin in his first visit to Petersburg. So clearly, just like, um, just like certain presidents who believe in free choice, they also believe that you should get vaccinated. So, I mean, that's not going to get past us, Glenn Youngkin. We're still going to acknowledge this as a fact because, after all, you're the one who said you're a big proponent of the vaccine. So, I mean, because that adds another dimension, another layer to everything that they're doing as we're, you know, observing their every move and seeing how what they do in one arena interlapses or coalesces or whatever into another arena. Like, what made that person make this decision? You know, why is it that we can't seem to get a chemical castration abuse protection bill passed in the house. Oh, it's because Rhino Abbott is in their back pocket. Oh, okay. I get it. It makes sense now. Anyways, but this guy did end the vaccine mandates, right? So he's a big proponent of the vaccine, but he ends the mandates. So 
I mean, he might just be a very complex character, right, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see what this article has to say. It says, uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin was greeted with much fanfare during his first visit to Petersburg at the head, as the head of the state yesterday. In coordination with Virginia State University and the city of Petersburg, the governor held a meeting to have a conversation about vaccine hesitancy and ways to overcome that in Petersburg. Youngkin says, when I had the great privilege of being elected, I felt strongly that first, I did not believe that people should be forced to get the vaccine. And I also felt that people should not lose their jobs if they don't get the vaccine. I am a big proponent of the vaccine. One of the real things we do know is that when someone gets the vaccine, and even more so when they get the booster, their ability to prevent hospitalization, or even worse, death is materially increased particularly those that are most vulnerable. Okay, those are his words, not mine, ladies and gentlemen, all right? So, uh, you see, this is, this is what I'm talking about here. Okay, now, at least he respects the fact that he's not going to get people forced into taking a vaccine. But um, we as an audience look at all of the evidence that's been thrown out there literally because it lands in our lap with everyone getting, you know, blood clots, uh, pericarditis and all these other things, people dying. Okay. It's been the worst season for the gay soccer player, right? The gay football player. They were the happiest creature on this earth. The gay football player was, I'm talking about soccer players, right? The happiest creature, a bunch of hot young men who get to play ball, slap each other on the butt, kick balls around and, you know, kiss on the soccer field. Right. And all of a sudden they all start dropping dead. Right. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the daydream is over football players of the world, because I mean, you might've been the most happiest creature on the planet, right? Locker room full of young hot men, but, uh, you know, now you're all dying from your shot because you all decided to take it. So, you know, but here, like I'm saying, at the same time, right, uh, he's for free choice, but in spite of all the hot young soccer men dying on the field, he still thinks that you are going to be doubly protected by the booster and prevent hospitalization and prevent death, okay? Do you know how many of those young hot soccer bet players had like four boosters <laughs> and they just dropped dead on the field. Like it's a terrible time to be a hot young soccer player. I'm telling you guys, because you're going to drop dead from getting this booster shot and from getting these vaccines, these supposed vaccines, these gene inoculation therapy sessions. Anyways, guys, I know you guys are probably like, what the heck? Okay. So let's finish the article so we can, <laughs> we can bid adieu to the brand new Virginia government. Uh, it says here, um, as a city that took last place in Virginia in a health rating that looked at various factors like access to care, air, water quality, community safety, le- length of life, unemployment, and high school graduation, Petersburg is especially vulnerable to the effects of COVID-19. Due to the way COVID-19 has affected the city, community leaders have put boots on the ground, organizing vaccination clinics across the city to help protect more people from the virus. Okay, so the rest of this is just going to be about COVID-19, and I don't have an interest in reading it. Yeah, I have no interest in reading it. Uh, Okay, wait, wait, here we go, here we go, here we go. Youngkin opened up the floor by asking the community and government leaders present how this gap with the youth can be addressed. 
Maria Petre Martin, the superintendent of Petersburg, Petersburg City Public Schools, discussed the distrust in the community when it comes to medical intervention. Um, let's see here. Uh, Pietre Martin says, I remembered making statements such as, it's like getting a flu shot. And many of our families said, well, we don't get flu shots. Now in that statement, what it told me is that there was an access, affordability, or an education need around health prevention because she wants everyone to be like her, right? Pietra Martin goes on to say, uh, the second thing I will say is that I think there might be a distrust of medical intervention. Some of the things that we have heard, it really has to do with what gets in, with what gets in the vaccine and the long-term effects of what the vaccine could do. So I've heard things like stemming my child's growth, long-term impacts to their DNA, and these are things that maybe they might have heard on social media, but because they have read it, they have to be concerned. And I totally get that. Yes, Pietre Martin. Yes, at least she is acknowledging that. I would like Glenn Youngkin to acknowledge that. Okay. But then again, she does kind of diminish it by saying they read it online. Well, you know what? The local news, guys, is far worse than any social media platform in the amount of lies and propaganda they spill out like they're facts, okay? And, and I'm, talking, I'm, not I'm talking about lo local news, not just local level news, but to the people who can't afford to stream or to get, like, cable or whatever the hell it is that you have these days. That stuff, that garbage, that pure propaganda... We're talking like the ABC Nightly News, like uh, PBS News Hour, like the stuff that's only accessible to people who don't have anything more than like an antenna for their HDTV or whatever. That stuff is far more poisonous than anything you'll get on a social media post on any social media platform. That's just a little bit of perspective there, guys. Anyways, Councilwoman Tresca Wilson-Smith emphasized the importance of making direct contact with people in the community and building relationships in order to establish trust. Youngkin asked who were the people that the community trusted. Another person present commented that church leaders are among some of the most trusted people in the community. Let's see here. Uh, Pastor Robert Diggs of Tabernacle Baptist Church said, I had to change my philosophy as leader. Fauci versus my faith. My faith said, God has me covered. I don't need a mask. Fauci says, no. COVID is real and you need a mask. So when I show up to the church on Sunday, I have to have a mask on because all my people are watching. Ugh. They have to know that you trust a mask, that you trust the vaccine. Okay, and that's where you're dropping the ball. Okay, because by wearing your mask, you're giving in to the lower energy levels of fear and you're uh, basically putting your faith in man and lack of faith in God. Anyways, who am I? What do I know? Right. Anyways. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a little irritating, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> okay. Uh, last one. Governor Yunkin condemns Russian invasion of Ukraine. Supports sanctions. Doesn't surprise me if he can't even question. Uh, now, I'm not saying that I... Uh, I'm not saying that I support any type of invasion, but uh, I don't think that that's what's going on over there in Russia and Ukraine, guys. And uh, we can talk about that in the next episode of The Sea Report, because guess what, guys? We have been here for over two hours. 
So we are going to close this session of the C Report. It's been absolutely amazing and fun being with you guys. I'm going to go back and see if that Winsome Sears um, interview ever finished. I mean, by now, you know, it's over, but hopefully there's a replay. Maybe we'll get to like rehash it in a future episode, but it was a great icebreaker into the new Virginia government. We haven't been able to cover them at all since they were elected into office back in January. Had to do it tonight. I realized we were supposed to talk about Russia and we were supposed to talk about Ukraine. We're going to do that next, ladies and gentlemen, but we are going to take a break first. And that break, ladies and gentlemen, would include breaking the live stream for a time, but we'll be back though tonight live and in the flesh. So tell your friends, tell your family, if you want to come and hang out with us here at the Sea Report, we'll be back tonight live and in the flesh. And we'll be talking Ukraine and Russia because guess what? Russia has invaded Ukraine according to the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, propaganda, legacy, mockingbird, media. And I'm sure you all have something to say about that. Maybe we'll open up lines if anyone wants to join in on the conversation about Russia and Ukraine. I will request that we keep the conversation strictly to Russia and Ukraine. We've never done an open lines like that on the Sea Report, so if you want to get in on it, well, perhaps we'll do that for you guys tonight. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for episode number 253 of the Sea Report, live on this Thursday. February 24th, 2022. It's been a wonderful time. We're going to take a brief pause, but we will be back. So hopefully we'll see you then. Till then, though, be blessed, be safe, and God bless America. We'll see you soon.